Hey guys, uh, this is Tyler. I just wanted to give a huge thank you to all of our listeners for their patience during this crazy month. For those who don't know, I actually recently came down with the coronavirus after recording the Weird Al Show episode. Thankfully, I feel so much better and the virus is basically gone at this point. So, next month everything will be back on schedule and I do apologize for getting off track with getting the episodes out on time this month. But again, thank you guys so much for your patience. And also thank you to Jen Seggio for helping with editing this episode. She was a huge help, and it just means a lot that we have such awesome listeners and friends helping us out here. So with that all in mind, on with the show. This is a story of a podcast named Channel KRT something, something, something. (laughs) Welcome back to Channel KRT, where we take a look at the best and worst in obscure media. Today, we have the absolute best of it. One of the most underrated shows of the 90s, honestly, starring not just any old comedian, the ultimate parody musician himself, Weird Al Yankovic. And the show is titled The Weird Al Show. Wow, what a surprise. I'm Kitty Quinn, and joining me today is... Tyler, the Wonder Podcaster. Um, Randy, I was the guy who was caught in the bear <laughs> trap. And today we have a very special guest. You know him as some jerk with a camera. You know him as the host of Escape from Vault Disney. And you know him as a giant Weird Al aficionado in his own right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Goldmark! Hey! Yay! <laughs> Yay, Tony! How y'all doing? We're doing great. It only took one bear trap. I caught him. Oh, yeah. It's starting to sting a little bit. Can, you think you could take it off? <laughs> uh, yeah, Tony, you're getting blood on my carpet, man. No, sorry. Sorry. I can't till the podcast is over. Oh, all right. You might call the police and then we'll have to end the podcast early. You could have just asked me. I would have <laughs> said yes. but um... I know, but, you know, this is more festive. You had to make sure. Okay. Yeah, I guess. This is more festive, you know. How do you think I got Jenny Nicholson on my podcast? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Since the last <laughs> thing we did with you was the great Muppet Caper on Escape from Walt Disney, does that make it a Fozzie trap? Ah! ah! Waka waka! waka. I, if, I, if I knew how to change my Zoom background, I would make it that picture of Fozzie and Weird Al together. We have fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. I am still so disappointed that Al really hasn't been in a lot of Muppets material because that is just... He hasn't. That is peanut butter and chocolate right there. Oh my God, yes. He, it would work so well together. I'm amazed he wasn't on Muppets Tonight in the 90s. He would have fit hey. so well. Hey, you got my Weird Al and your Muppets. Well, you got your Muppets and my Weird Al. He was featured in an issue of Muppet Magazine in the 80s, and that's where those pictures of him and Fozzie come from. And from what I understand, that's it. He's never done any other Muppet stuff. Although there are puppets <laughs> in this episode, just not just not Muppets officially. <laughs> so, hold up. Mm. Hold up. There was a Muppet magazine? Yeah, there was a Muppet magazine in the 80s. I have not been informed of this. It is the most amazing thing. And there's one cover that Al's on and he's just chilling with Fozzie and it's the best thing (laughs) ever. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, I need I need to check that out. Thank you guys so much for alerting me to that. That's what we're here for. I mean, every kids show seems to get their own magazine. Peppa Pig has a magazine, <laughs> so It was at least still around in, in the 90s cuz I remember my aunt used to get it for me like every week or whenever they put it out. Also, I'm on the Muppet Wiki and I just found a picture of Weird Al and Elmo backstage at Sesame Street Live at the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles in 2005. Oh. <laughs> oh wow oh my god if al had performed at that show i would know i think he might have just been an invited guest and it was just a backstage photo op probably yeah about two years yes yeah so maybe he was bringing nina yeah that that could be um the i i will say though speaking of weird al and magazine covers i'm not kidding the first time i ever even heard of weird al was when he was on the cover of an issue of Disney Adventures <laughs> magazine. Remember that? Oh yeah, the fucking I the, the Reader's yes. Digest size yes. Disney magazine from the from the nineties. It was just a little interview of a few pages, but the cover. Every cover would have a celebrity and a Disney cartoon character interacting somehow. <laughs> and on that cover, it was Weird Al and Launchpad from DuckTales <laughs> flying in a spaceship. Uh, yeah, Kitty, you probably found it too on uh, Amazon. But let me tell you the postscript to that. Years later, I knew I was going to be seeing Al backstage at a concert. And I thought, you know, this is the first thing I ever saw him in. I'll bring this for him to autograph. And I did. And I, t I talked to him about it. And just as a weird joke, I asked, so uh, is Launchpad nice in, in person? And he's like, who's Launchpad? <laughs> <laughs> he was busy in the 80s. He didn't watch kids cartoons. <laughs> Who's Launchpad? <laughs> if he's not on the new DuckTales as Weird Owl Yankovic, we riot. Oh, man. <laughs> Kitty, I hate to burst your bubble, but uh, Fairly Odd Parents did the Weird Owl Yankovic joke first. It reminds me of that Ozzy Osbourne thing. Who the fuck's Justin Bieber? <laughs> Who the fuck is Launchpad McQuack? <laughs> I, for I forget which episode it was. It was one of the shitty later ones, I think. At On the... Um in the Al's Brain 3D show that played at the Orange County Fair for two years, uh, Al's sidekick was a talking CGI owl voiced by Billy West, who is also on the Weird Al show. <laughs> but the owl was named Norm Owl. <laughs> Weird Al, Norm Owl. That's that's how it went. Oh, Lord. God, I, I wish they would just leak Al's brain already. From his skull? I mean I'm just going to break into his house with a hacksaw and just cut him open. Yeah, seems fair. We're going grave robbin. <laughs> I'll get my kit. Knock on wood, Al doesn't die for another 50 years. God. Yep, and then we'll all be dead. <laughs> I will literally fight Satan himself if he doesn't <laughs> let Al be immortal. Wait, no, I'll fight God. Weird Al will bury us all, Yay! damn it. <laughs> Weird Al and Betty White are going to be the two people on Earth who just outlive everybody. And Jimmy Carter. May I just quickly say this about Betty White? Yes. It, this is a tangent, but my mom, the, the short version is she worked in publishing and part of her job was to work with celebrities when they came to town on book tours. And mm. through that job, she met a lot of famous people and even befriended a few of them. Oh, nice. She said, yes. Betty White was the nicest celebrity she ever met. In her life. That is some real Betty White energy right there. She met a bunch of them and Betty White is every inch the wonderful, delightful, kindly grandmother type you want her to be. 
it's not one of those don't meet your heroes things where you meet them and it turns out, oh man, she's such a dick. You know, why did, you know, I, I, I hate her now. No, Betty White is absolutely what you see is what you get. As is Al. Al is infamously one of the nicest people in show business. Isn't like Tom Hanks also like one of the nicest people in Hollywood too? That's what I've heard. Yeah. So naturally, he's who fucking QAnon is targeting because yeah. they hate everyone. Not to mention, he's also the one Toy Story guy whose career is on a fucking roll constantly. <laughs> yeah. What has Tim Allen been up to? The fifth Santa Claus? Jungle to Jungle 3? <laughs> Last man standing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an exception, and you're kind of right. I think Tom Hanks is the only, <laughs> I mean, except for Key and Peele from Toy Story 4, but. And Joan Cusack has a decent career. Key and Peele were famous before Toy Story 4. I gotta be honest, I haven't seen Joan Cusack in that much recently. I... <laughs> she was one of the leads in Klaus's last I checked. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the Netflix animated movie. <laughs> I never got around to watching that. Maybe I will this year since it's about to be Christmas time again. Well, I mean, Don Rickles seemed to do pretty good until he well, died. Well, he's dead now, so yeah. Yeah, he's not really doing good right now. He's uh, yeah. he's dead. <laughs> In fact, wasn't Toy Story 2 kind of the last, the last, one of the last things Jim Varney was in before his death? It was. That and Atlantis the Lost Empire, I oh. think, were the two last things he was in. Jim Varney was the hillbilly guy who went on the quest with them in Atlantis. You didn't know Jim Varney was in Atlantis? I have not seen Atlantis yet, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe we'll cover it on the podcast someday. Who Woo, knows? yeah. But, but we're on this podcast right now, and we're talking about the Weird Al show. I do want to say real quick before that, before we get into the topic, I had a really cursed thought once where I thought if they ever decided to do the Ernest movies without Jim Varney, God forbid, they probably would have gotten French Stort to do it. You can't say I'm wrong. Hmm. <laughs> How they replaced Matthew Broderick with him in the Inspector Gadget sequel. <laughs> but see, that I could wrap my head around. I, French Stewart does not strike me as someone who could pull off redneck. I mean... <laughs> I don't know why, but I've been watching the Inspector Gadget 2 deleted scenes today, and that thought just came to me i don't know why my brain is like this so like you do okay <laughs> so the people who they got to come back the lion king 2 matthew broderick james earl jones ernie sabella nathan lane robert guillam i think that's how you say his name holy <laughs> shit Lacey chabert was vitani yeah oh my god this is this is my big shame as a disney fan never seen lion king 2 Eh. It's not that great. It came out right when I was in my teenage, uh, fuck Disney phase, and I just wasn't interested it anymore. It came out when I was like three, I think. So I actually, as a kid, ended up liking The Lion King 2 better than The Lion King. Yeah, but you were a kid. So. I was a child. Uh, to be fair, The Lion King 2 really is one of the better Disney sequels anyway. Like, it's not great, but, like, it's really not bad either. That's what I've heard, yeah. Lion King 1 and a half is better, though. Huzzah! <laughs> and you know what TV show parodies The Lion King in its opening credits? The Weird Al Show! The let's get the train <laughs> yeah. back on track. Yeah, let's get back on track. All right, Ooh, yeah. so <laughs> do we want to go into a little bit of our history with Weird Al Yankovic, starting with Tony? Well, gosh, I mean, my... my my history with Weird Al Yankovic might as well be my history as a human being. Like I said, the very first time I ever heard of him was in that Disney Adventures magazine, but I didn't become a huge fan of him until a few years later. I heard like piecemeal stuff of his. I remember my dad played me his greatest hits album once and 
I, uh, I think I saw a couple of his videos here and there. And, uh, but the thing that really, uh, energized me was kind of the one, two, three punch in 1996 of seeing the movie spy hard <laughs> and, uh, and, and seeing his opening title sequence in that, which is the only <laughs> funny part of that movie. Seriously, watch the opening titles. That's all of spy hard. You need to see the rest yeah. of that movie is garbage. <laughs> But uh, but but his opening title sequence is really fucking great. Yeah, it's been years since I've seen Spy Hard, but I can promise you it won't age well. Right. <laughs> then then very shortly afterwards, uh, kind of, you know, uh, kind of because I remembered his appearance in Spy Hard, I went to Sam Goody one day and saw his then new album, Bad Hair Day, and bought it and just listened to it over and over again. I mean, Amish Paradise was great, but then the second track, Everything You Know Is Wrong, still might be my single favorite song of all time to this day. It's just brilliantly anarchic and and absurdist. And it, I later found out it was a They Might Be Giants spoof, and they're one of my favorite bands now, or a They Might Be Giants pastiche, rather. And yeah, I was just hooked from that moment. Then later that year, my household finally got the Disney Channel, back when it was a pay station that you had to pay extra for. And the very first thing I ever saw on the Disney channel, this kind of feeds into how my two twin obsessions of my life have been weird Al and Disney. First thing I ever saw on the Disney channel was an ad for the weird Al 1996 concert special. There's no going home, which aired on the Ooh. Disney channel. Oh yeah. I've seen that. It's, it's really great. It, it's really kind of fucked up in its own way. Cause <laughs> It aired on the Disney Channel, and at one point, I'm not kidding, there's a Charles Manson parody. Oh, my God. Like, Weird Al is signing autographs for fans, and this one Charles Manson-looking motherfucker comes up and he says, Let me tell you, Weird Al, man, I'm your biggest fan. I played Eat It Backwards, man, and I know we're all going to eat it when the snakes rise up, man. Oh, my God. It is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And the special kind of sort of ends with a Clockwork Orange parody. Yeah. <laughs> Al finally comes home and his parents have essentially replaced him as a son with Ed McMahon. Oh, yeah. I watched that the other night. To be fair, Albuquerque does predict a race war. So I'm going to send each of you guys <laughs> to kill off Sharon Tate at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and then Blind Lemon Yankovic is like, like, you're why are you white, son? <laughs> Yeah, his grandpa in the special is Blind Lemon Yankovic, played by, I don't remember the actor's name, but he was the cop in Clue. Yeah, I remember that. He was the cop in Clue. So obviously his grandpa is this old black blues man. And at the end, it's revealed he's not really Al's grandfather. And Al's like, what? And he just goes, you sure are stupid, even for a white boy. <laughs> <laughs> this aired on the Disney Channel. I fucking. And you know what's crazy? That aired on the Disney Channel. And on his CBS Saturday morning show, he could barely get away with anything. But we'll talk about that when we get to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But the CBS show hit the airwaves the very next year, 1997. In fact, he basically got his show because of the success of the Bad Hair Day album. And I not only watched it, but taped it every week. I also taped the Disney Channel special and I just wore out my copies of them. Just wore out the VHS tapes of them, watching <laughs> them over and over again because I was just obsessed with the guy and obsessed with the guy's work. And I was hooked from there. It, it just never stopped. It just snowballed into my current obsession. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Oh, man. So my history with Weird Al Yankovic has been, before I continue, I was about to say, you know, while you were on the Escape from Walt Disney episode on Milo Murphy's Law, The Substitute, I was amazed you didn't bring Mm -hmm. up that special, wondering why it wasn't on Disney Plus, because... (laughs) I, I actually did briefly bring it up as an asterisk, because I found out that special is not actually owned by Disney. It was broadcast on the Disney Channel, but it's actually owned by Al's record label and management. Oh, so, gotcha. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just cheaper for, for everyone involved because it was also a concert special. The sketches happened in between him performing live. And I think it was just cheaper. Well, rather than this company licensing all these songs, let's just do it through the record label. Especially since CBS would be all, nope, 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 fuck you. That's not for kids. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the issues with CBS, but but go on with your history with Weird Al. So my history with Weird Al Yankovic has been pretty much for a long time. I don't know if it's quite as long as Tony's, but I discovered him when I was a kid. When I was going through a giant Jurassic Park phase, I was just constantly, Mm. I was slowly discovering the internet on top of that. One of my friends was like, Sam, have you seen this Jurassic Park music video? And I was like, there's a music video? And so then she showed me this stop motion song that, that I was just hooked. It, she was all, oh, it's a little scary. And I'm like, this is awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> the T-Rex bites Barney's head off. What's not to love? Literally. Exactly. I know I love it. <laughs> By the way, the animation for that music video made by the same guys who made the stop motion segments of the Weird Al show theme song. Oh, really? Yeah, I was about to ask about that. Yeah, because the theme song is in three different animation styles, uh, traditional hand-drawn, rudimentary 90s CGI, and then it ends with stop motion and the stop motion claymation. And the stop motion claymation is done by the two guys who did uh, the Jurassic Park video, one of whom, by the way, went on to co-direct Kung Fu Panda. Oh, huh. shit. Nice. Yeah, Mar- Mark Osborne. So. Cool. <laughs> this is what gift shops look like in prehistoric times. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but dinosaur crap. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was from his Al Music special from when he was promoting Alapalooza. Yeah, at, at one point he's he's walking around a dinosaur museum making, you know, making jokes, doing shtick, and he says, "Over here we have a prehistoric gift shop. This is what gift shops looked like millions of years ago. Nothing but dinosaur crap." Amazing. <laughs> And then he goes up to, like, the people who are doing the animation for the music video. And then he just starts crushing the clay. And, just <laughs> and so anyway, after that, I ended up getting pretty hooked. I kind of go back and forth on listening to his music because I'd discover it through parody MVs. I'd listen to music videos that were set to various television shows that were to his songs. I got really hooked by the time Alpocalypse came out. And that's when... Mm when it really hit for me, especially everything, you know, was wrong. Like you said, Albuquerque, tons, tons of Al merchandise. I'd start to recognize him whenever he'd show up in a cameo. And then, but I think I really, really got into him around 2016-ish because he was actually going to be coming to my college on my birthday. Oh, nice. But I I didn't get to go because I had to babysit. Oh, Oh, fucking damn wiener kids. (laughs) But anyway, so then over time, I still was continuing to get into him. I discovered the Weird Al show sometime in late 2016, early 2017. And then this guy over here ended up taking me to my first Weird Al concert in 2018 and 2019. (laughs) 
because he's the best boyfriend ever. Oh, cuties. <laughs> And then, the biggest fun fact of all, earlier this year before, well, everything got canceled, I randomly out of nowhere, an Al photo shoot was announced for the New York Times magazine. So I decided, eh, why not? I threw my hat in the ring and and was like, okay, I mean, if I don't get in, no big deal. I got in. And (laughs) then this guy got in too. And then I got to meet Al. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe that happened. God, he was so freaking nice and sweet. I want to hug him. Yes. I also got to meet his wife, Suzanne Yankovic. She was oh also super God, sweet. Oh, I bet she's Oh, amazing. she's great. Yes. The whole family's great. They're they're just wonderful people. All the Yankovics are great. You know, the Weird Al fandom, I say this as a, a huge member of the Weird Al fandom, we're an intense lot. <laughs> like, there, I remember... It wasn't The Onion, but it was some other um, parody website recently published like an editorial called The Fuck You Say About Weird Al? And then it just showed a guy brandishing a knife. And it was like, (laughs) yeah, we are kind of that defensive about the guy. But a big reason for that is he's just so nice to us. There is so much stuff. I remember Luke once years ago at a convention where Bermuda, Weird Al's drummer, was the guest of honor. Uh, Luke told a personal story because at that point he had met Al backstage so many times. Nice. And he was backstage. His wife at the time was working uh, backstage at a show for some other comedians he really liked. And he wanted to get some autographs for him. And he just, without obstructing the view between the backstage exit and the limo they were getting into, just kind of stood at a point where it's like, okay, there's no way you can't see me. Sharpie in one hand, CDs in the other hand. Uh, I would very much like an autograph, please, sirs. And the comedians were just like talking to each other. And they were like, yeah, what? Da, 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 da. Boom, got in the thing and drove off. Now, the takeaway for Luke was, look, I'm not mad at them. I'm not obligated to an autograph. But I just kind of realized at that moment, Al and his band don't have to do what they do for the fans. They don't have to go the extra mile the way they do. And they still absolutely do. And it's wonderful. Yeah. Like the fact that in the email for the photo shoots, they were saying, yeah, we can't really guarantee that Al's going to meet everybody. We apologize. We just want to make sure we're respecting his time. He made sure everybody got to meet him afterwards. That was awesome. Absolutely. A couple years earlier, Al got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and uh, people who had contributed to raise the money to get his star on the Walk of Fame. And I had performed at a benefit concert for that to to raise funds because it's way too expensive to get that shit for the for the walk of fame it's all a scam but anyway so i performed at this thing so i was in the quasi vip section i wasn't in the super vip section but i was in kind of a designated area for fans who had contributed to it and afterwards there was an after party at the viper room on sunset boulevard is it Sunset or Hall? I forget. But at the famous Viper Room Club in LA, there was an after party where all the people in that area, Al showed up, didn't have to, but he did. And he made sure to personally meet every single person there and, <laughs> and get pictures and, and everything. He's such a nice guy. And I think I remember Dave, Dave Gansel posting a selfie from that night. Yeah, yes. I'm, I, I think I'm in that selfie as well. <laughs> yeah, you are. I, I remember that. Yeah, I am going to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let me take a look-see look. Which, by the way, there's a good video from David Gansel about that day where you guys are all yes. in it. Uh, definitely check that out. We'll link that on the Twitter. Right, right, right. It's, um, yeah, um, Al's just such a nice guy. I feel like the fact that um, pretty much every single person, outside of maybe a few who turned out to be either one, crackheads themselves, or two, eventually made up with him over time. The fact that everybody has a, has a nice story about him, I feel like is a good sign. Like, if there was even, like, a couple of horror stories, like, say, Vic Mignogna... <laughs> I have never once in my life heard a, yeah, I met Weird Al, he was a dick story. Not once no. in my life. I would have by now if, if, if those existed. One thing I kind of love about it is that Weird Al <laughs> just dissed Eminem. Oh, yes. that was glorious. Hard. And Eminem did not even fight back. He just said, you know what? <laughs> he had a fair shot and I take the L. And the thing is, I know for a fact Eminem saw that interview and was not pleased with it. And for some reason, yeah, never tapped back the way he does for every fucking thing. I mean, God, God damn. That's an accomplishment right there. God, can you imagine if he did, though? Like, <laughs> yes. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I know what you're saying. That's my favorite <laughs> fucking interview, by the way. It's glorious how Al just blatantly calls out Eminem on his hypocrisy on him saying, you know, yeah, I, I absolutely believe in free speech. People should be an artist should be an artist, whether you like it or not. So if someone wants to do a parody of someone's music video, they should just do it. <laughs> God damn. Smackdown. So glorious. Also predating the interview 2014. He also kind of hints at Eminem as gay rumors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, and then Eminem himself later did that same fucking joke in the movie The Interview. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, for those who don't know, on his 2003 album Poodle Hat, <laughs> Al's big lead single was a parody of Lose Yourself by Eminem called Couch Potato about sitting on your ass and watching TV all day. <laughs> and a video was in pre-production. They were going to do a video for it and it was all set to go. The label was dropping the money for it and they were weeks from shooting and Eminem just suddenly said, you know what? I'll let you do the parody on the album, but don't make a video. I don't want there to be a video of this uh, album. Coward. And Al being such a nice guy was like, okay, uh. I'll respect your wishes, but you're kind of torpedoing this album's success. Because the label had already sunk so much money into the video that it was too late to switch gears and do a video for a different song. Yeah. It was like a sunk cost thing. They, they eventually did a really, really cheap video for the song Bob, which was literally just a parody of Bob Dylan's uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues, where it's just Al holding sign. It was it was the video was clearly made for like five bucks. And that ended up being the only video for that album, just because of the couch potato, you know, stupid shit. So. Um, so, yeah, fuck Eminem for that. <laughs> Anyway, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes now, and we haven't actually gotten into the show. <laughs> that's that's a sign that's going to be a really, really good episode, you guys. If there's anything I can think of that Al's done that's problematic, you know, like saying, like, if there's, like, a lyric that he's done in the past, like, a certain line I'm thinking of in word crimes, which is thinking of an ableist slur. Right. At least he apologizes mm -hmm. and yeah, he apologized for that. He legitimately didn't know that it's an ableist slur because it's specifically an ableist slur in the UK. Well, yeah. yeah. In America, it's not really known as that. And uh, 
and he legit had no idea and he apologized for it. And, you know, he was he he was he was a responsible adult. You know, that's what you got to do. Exactly. And it's it's sad. And lo and behold, did not get canceled. <laughs> what? He actually apologized and people accepted what? the apology. What? 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 In this fucking day and oh age. Oh, my God. We got to cancel him for not getting canceled. That's <laughs> against the laws of nature. This just in, Weird Al Yankovic has been the first person to be canceled for being <laughs> too kind. Too kind, yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. It violates the norms of everything. We're coming next for you, Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> and Betty White. And Betty White. This is what r slash incels thinks actually happens. <laughs> so do you guys want to get into your history with Weird Al? Randy was about to get into it, so. Yeah, yeah. We still haven't gotten to Randy and Tyler. Go, go on. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're good. This will be a six-hour podcast. Yay! <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Because it's Weird Al. What's there not to say? But anyway, I don't have like a crazy history with him or anything. I will say this. When I was younger, I did go through a Michael Jackson hyperfixation phase. <laughs> And that's how I learned about fat and eat it. And I thought they were really cool. And of course, around the time I was like in middle school, high school, mm. white and nerdy was like trending really <laughs> hard. Like that was one of the comedy songs. So I did hear a lot of white and nerdy. It's a good one. I still love white and nerdy a lot. Yes. <laughs> By the way, weren't Key and Peele in that? Yes, they were. They, Key and Peele were in the music video for White and Nerdy. That was before they got the Comedy Central show. That was back when they were just on Mad TV. So. Oh, nice. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and uh, fucking Oscar winner Jordan Peele is in the White and Nerdy <laughs> video. That's insane. <laughs> and then I remember, I think in high school, he was in Tacky. <laughs> yes, yes. That yeah. became like a hit. And I was like, holy shit, he's still going? <laughs> he's been going since the late 70s with this shit. I mean, it's 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 really an incredible career. But, but yeah. 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 And then I became, yeah, then pretty much I started watching Tony's videos mm. and seeing him a lot and seeing all those references. That's how I even found out he had a show. And then I met Tony and Kitty, became like, you know, close with them and shit. And hey. because Al's such a nice guy, he was gracious enough to do a cameo in one of my videos. Yes. Which was amazing. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that's Weird Al. It is indeed. And you know what's even worse? Your fifth album. And we both did the Muppet face simultaneously <laughs> without any prior consulting. We didn't know each other were going to do that. It was just complete coincidence. <laughs> He's just so in tune with you. You guys have like a shared energy or something. Maybe it just comes from me watching footage of him for so long. I've just kind of absorbed his his essence in some I've ways. I've decided it's magic. <laughs> it's magic. It's it's Al magic. It's Al magic. I've decided I'm the channel KRT witch and I said so. Yay! Al can do magic. You can cut this out, but I just remembered that when we were at the Al photo shoot, when, when Tony was going for his turn to be Al, I saw Al just give him such a big hug. Aww. It was so Aww. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Al, he recognizes me. I'm one of the kind of uber fans that... Um, yeah, he recognizes me at this point. He recognizes all of his biggest fans who he's met uh, a whole bunch of times. And um, although I got to say there are limits because the second to last time I met him at an art gallery in Los Angeles on Melrose for a bunch of Weird Al related fan art, he was at the opening of that and I got to briefly meet him along with the 
Dave and Alessandra were there. Oh, nice. And I only had like a minute with him, but he asked like, so what's new with you? And I had just started Escape from Vault Disney at that point. And I said, well, I just started a podcast. And Al joked like, I think you're the first person to ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yep, breaking new ground, you know. (laughs) And then there was like an awkward lull in the conversation. And then on a complete whim, on a complete just why the fuck not whim, I just randomly said, Want to be on it? <laughs> and Al just kind of sort of cringed for a second. And I kind of nervously, I was like, it's fine. I, you know, never hurts to ask, right? You know, and I kind of realized, you know, Al's, he's very friendly to his fans. I think there's a limit. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a point to which, you know, I don't want to let this guy into my life too much just yeah. in case, you know, which, which you can understand. You can understand. You know, it still couldn't hurt to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, it, it never hurts to ask, like I said. Because you kind of see what happened with Selena Quintanilla, how her biggest fan ended oh, up murdering God. her. And so, I, not that you would do that. Not that you would do that. Just, yeah. <laughs> no, of course care. not. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, what's your history? All right, because I haven't said a lot in this episode. So my history with Weird Al is that I guess my first exposure to him was through the George of the Jungle movie Mm. because I had a really, really strong obsession with it. And I also kind of had the soundtrack that also had his cover of the George of the Jungle theme song on it. Right. A couple years later after that, I got into his music because, of course, white and nerdy was all over the place. And there was just a bunch of music videos using that song on what I like to call the golden age of YouTube around 2006, Mm -hmm. 2007. So... I also decided to just check out a lot of his songs through that, and I did become sort of like a casual fan of his, but I didn't really get deep into the Al fan base until I came across Tony's videos, which is around that time I watched the Weird Al show and fell in love with it. Yeah, I, a word about that cover of George of the Jungle, by the way. I'm going to go off on tangents all night. This is why this is a six-hour podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, that cover of George of the Jungle that he did, which, by the way, not in the movie, but it is on the soundtrack album, but it was originally recorded 12 years earlier for his Dare to be Stupid album, his third album in 1985. And the story behind that is that after he released Eat It on his second album in 3D, suddenly his record label started, as they said in Barton Fink, taking an interest in his career, which is never a good sign. And Dare to be Stupid um, had two songs that were basically forced on him by the label. One was his Cyndi Lauper parody, Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. That song (laughs) is gross. Al did not want to do a Cyndi Lauper parody. He didn't have a good idea for one, but the label straight up refused to release the album unless it had a Cyndi Lauper parody. They were convinced that they were trying to control his career at that point. So his response to that was like, okay, I'll do Girls Just Want to Have Lunch, but I'm going to intentionally make my vocals sound as gross and nasally as possible. I'm going to make it the most unpleasant piece of shit you've ever heard. And indeed it is. I don't recommend that song. It's probably his worst song. But they also mandated, okay, this album's also got to have at least one straight cover song. Because cover songs sell albums, damn it. You got to put a cover song on here. I was like, I don't want to do a cover song. Well, you have to or we're not releasing it. So just to troll them, he's like, okay, fine. Fuck you. I'll cover the theme from Georgia the Jungle. (laughs) (laughs) So after those twin acts of rebellion from Al, the label basically stopped telling him what to do. (laughs) 
actually it was three acts of rebellion because then on his next album, his label was pressuring him to do a Christmas song. Actually, they wanted him to do a full Christmas album because Christmas albums always sell around the holidays. And Al didn't want to do it, so they compromised with, all right, fine, I'll, 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 I'll release a Christmas single. How about that? And that ended up being Christmas at Ground Zero. <laughs> yes! Which is a song about celebrating Christmas in a post-apocalyptic hellscape. <laughs> and it was at that point that the label went, all right, you know what? Do whatever you fucking want. <laughs> <laughs> which leads into us finally talking about the Weird Al show itself, which yes. sadly was also kind of a product of the executives constantly bossing Al around. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> he still makes it work. So the Weird Al show was an American television show hosted by, well, Weird Al Yankovic. Of all people. <laughs> produced in association with Dick Clark Productions and taped at NBC Studios. It aired on Saturday mornings on the CBS TV network. The show ran for sadly only one season from September to December 1997. God, the show deserved better. <laughs> we were robbed. Mm -hmm. It really did. It deserved a better reception, and also it deserved to be able to be a better show. Yeah. Much as I love it, you can tell where it's compromised, and we'll talk about that, but go on. Yeah, so it basically was worked similarly kind of to how Pee-wee's Playhouse and Bill Nye the Science Guy work. In fact, one of the guys I think who's developed the set for Pee-wee's Playhouse helped develop the set for this show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wayne White, yeah, the, the the set designer. He'd been the set designer on Pee-wee's Playhouse and also Beekman's World, and he was the set designer on the Weird Al show. You can really tell, too, because the design of the cave set is, like, really cool. Like, there's always something to look at. Yeah. It's easily one of the best TV show sets I've seen. Like, I just loved it. I want that eyeball chair so badly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I know who owns it now oh. because it was, okay, at one of the Alcons, I think it was Alcon 3 in 2002, they auctioned off that eyeball chair. Holy shit. And it went to, it went to a guy, his nickname in the Weird Al fan base was Pooh Bear. I believe his real name is Tim Winslow. And he, and he spent like $3,000 or something wow. on that chair. I have no idea if he still has it because let me tell you something, in the same auction, uh, you know that, like monster head that's like above the cave entrance with the big googly eyes and the oh, tongue yeah, yeah. sticking out the big ah! the green monster <laughs> head thing yeah the one that looks like slimer yeah it does kind of look like slimer um i bought that oh. <laughs> i'm not kidding i bid on it just as a goof and i fucking won it no one outbid me and i ended up spending like 430 <laughs> bucks on it and here's the thing. No fucking way. It fell apart mid-auction. No! Oh, no. It was just made of cheap styrofoam, and the paint was already starting to fall off. And I had it in my closet for a few years and then eventually threw it out because oh. I'm so sorry. Uh, quick question. Uh, just, just asking for, for a friend. What, what dumpster do you think it, what, what dump do you think it'd be in? <laughs> <laughs> this was when I lived in Chicago. So a dumpster in Chicago. All right. So a Chicago dump. Thank you. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Uh, one, uh, fun fact, by the way, those eyes on that green thing, those are kickballs. Huh. 
you wouldn't necessarily know it just from looking at it on a TV. But yeah, that is like one of the secrets of the trade of how they build things <laughs> like that. I fucking love learning how so many movie props or TV show props are just made out of the cheapest yeah. fucking material <laughs> you could think of. Like you see this insanely amazing special effect and they're just like, oh, it's just two baseballs with duct tape and Sharpie on it. You know what movie is full of that shit is Team America. Yeah. Yes. Because, of course, everything's smaller because they're all marionettes. They're puppets. And there's so many, like, weird props. Like, for example, one of the members of Team America on his belt has, like, a silver eagle insignia. And if you look close at it, it's like, oh, that's a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tail's end of a quarter. That's It's so many clever touches like that in Team America. I like that in the fucking Kim Jong-il song. Yeah. They use a real fucking shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? And, and, and of course, obvious jokes like, you know, Kim Jong-il's panthers will kill you. And it's just two cats. <laughs> <laughs> the shark itself, I think it was like one of those like zebra or leopard sharks. Right. Like the kind that you could just straight up keep as a pet and they won't even like, but kill you or anything. But like still a real shark. <laughs> it's basically the Matt and Trey way where they kind of make everything cheaply. Like how every South Park episode is kind of made within just a few days. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one effect I think they might have splurged on. It's not cheap to have a shark. <laughs> you know what I would love to see? I would love to see a prop culture-esque show, but with props from the Weird Al. Oh, like yes. Just all the stuff he's done. Like the yes. shows. And yes. The oh, my God. UHF. <laughs> you would have stuff like his original fat suit from the fat music video and right. probably one of my weird owl holy grails, the flattened owl dummy from the beginning of UHF. <laughs> <laughs> I want the fish wheel. You know, the face I think was sold at another Alcon auction. Really? Oh man. I do know that the exploded head from the end of the Spy Hard opening sequence was. I don't know about the UHF flattened head, though, but... Oh, my God. A lot of that stuff from over the years was sold at the auctions of the Alcons in... Uh, there were three of them, 98, 2000, 2002. And, and then there was an attempt at a revival in 2009, Alfest, and then there was a festival in 2018 in Denver, and then there was gonna be another one this year, but then, of course, coronavirus happened, so yeah. it got delayed, but... I am proud to say I am one of only two people who have been to all five Weird Al conventions. Yes. It's me and a guy named Jeff Nucera who goes by the name of UH Jeff. <laughs> so there can be only one. <laughs> I have to go to every Weird Al convention that ever happens in the future because eventually one of us is going <laughs> to die. So, you know, one of us has to be the grand champion. <laughs> There will be a death match. <laughs> I'm still in that Chicago dump, by the way. I'm still looking, but I'm gonna find it. I swear to God. Best of luck yeah. with that. I don't know how I even got to Chicago. I'm just here. You just teleported. You're basically gonna be the last flying hellfish. Uh, I got there the same way Trina Vega did, actually, uh, via Umbrella and a terrible song. <laughs> So should we talk about the history of how the show got on the air? Yes. Yeah, sure. Because I've taken extensive notes on this. Um, As you should. Al 
had been trying to get his own show since the success of Eat It in 1984. Not necessarily a Saturday morning kids show. What he really wanted to do was just kind of an amorphous freewheeling sketch show, kind of along the lines of the channel hopping segments on the Weird Al show. Yeah. But whenever he was pitching the show and attaching himself to just a weird sketch show, he always got the warmest reception from the network's Saturday morning kids division. So it kind of became a kids show just by necessity. He and his attached producers, including Dick Clark, like you said, they took a bunch of meetings over the years, got a few development deals that went nowhere. Then finally, around 1996-97, like I said, off the strength of Al's platinum-selling ninth album, Bad Hair Day, and especially the hit single Amish Paradise... CBS started to take serious interest. Unfortunately, that was also around the time when the FCC started enforcing a mandate that the networks broadcast three hours of educational children's programming a week. The CBS Saturday morning executives basically told Al and his producers, look, we love the show. We wish we could buy it. We really do. Unfortunately, we're only buying educational shows. That's what we're looking for this year. And Al and his producers just kind of looked at each other in that moment and then said, did we mention this was an educational show? (laughs) It's an educational show. So in Al's own words, we prostituted ourselves to get on the air. (laughs) But they thought, you know what? We can make it work. We'll just make sure that every episode tells a story with some sort of unobjectionable moral lesson, like, you know, don't make promises you can't keep, or if you're in a competition, make sure you play fair, you know, that sort of thing. And they thought, you know, it'll just be a weird show that appeals to kids and adults. And at the end of it, the kids will learn a little lesson. It didn't really work out that way because while they were shooting, the CBS executives suddenly started getting really nervous that the show was not educational enough to the FCC's liking. So they enforced a bunch of last minute script revisions to make the characters reinforce the episode's educational objective at least once or twice per act, which often completely derailed the show's comic momentum. And then in editing, the network got even more nervous. So finally, as a last ditch Hail Mary play, they decided to just spell out the message at the beginning of each episode with (laughs) calligraphy paper and Billy West's annoying announcer voice. And then... Today's lesson is don't make promises you can't keep. And then the calligraphy paper would tear in half. (laughs) And then at the end of each act, Billy West's announcer voice would come back and reinforce the message even further. Al called it the bash you on the head until you're a bloody stump school of education. (laughs) And look, I'm just going to be blunt. Much as I love this show, the educational bullshit is easily the worst part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of saved by the fact that they kind of have fun with it, like the whole Billy West narration kind of having fun with itself, which, by the way, kind of a side note, I'm still amazed this show could afford him and Doug on Disney couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought about it later because I did an episode on Disney's version of Doug. Well, on that show, he's playing the lead character, so he probably demanded more money than just a side part in an announcer gig, but... Probably. Yeah, what are you going to (laughs) do? And look... The show ultimately still works because it's Weird Al and because he just injects so much great stuff in every episode. But I gotta say, with this episode in particular, the obligatory holiday episode, which we're finally getting to after talking to almost an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot to say about Al. Exactly. I have a lot to say about this episode in particular. Oh, man. On the DVD commentary, 
Al and the producers called this their least favorite episode, and it's honestly kind of hard to disagree. I mean, it's got some great stuff in it. The channel hopping segment has some hilarious moments. Those were always gold. The Holidays home movie is one of the funniest things the show ever did. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I don't think any episode in the show's 13 episode run feels the need to constantly reiterate the educational objective as much as this one did. And that's yeah. saying something. And it just torpedoes the comic momentum of this episode and honestly kind of ruins what should have been a dynamite comic premise of parodying holiday specials by celebrating every holiday at once. Like that premise is rife with potential but aside from a few clever food names at the beginning, like green shamrock matzahs and candy corn on the cob, my personal favorite. <laughs> Tuna punch. <laughs> that potential is kind of unfulfilled. By the way, I mentioned the DVD commentaries. Oh, uh, first of all, we should briefly mention the director of this was Peyton Reed. Oh, yeah. Peyton Reed directed all 13 episodes of The Weird Al Show. This was back when he was mostly directing... TV sketch shows and Disney Channel original movies uh, that mostly remakes. Like he directed a remake of the computer war tennis shoes starring Kirk Cameron for the Disney yeah. Channel <laughs> in the mid 90s. And oh, the fucking Camerons. He also directed the video portions of Back to the Future the Ride, too. Yeah. Yes. He directed the pre show of that specifically. And of course, went on to direct such movies as Bring It On, Down with Love, and the Ant Man movies now for Marvel. Holy He's shit. <laughs> Those Ant-Mans? Yeah, yep. the Ant-Man movies. That was uh, th the same director as the Weird Al show. Right? Holy Never shit. heard of it. By the way, if Peyton doesn't get Al for the third Ant-Man movie, we riot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, yes. well, not only that, but why the hell hasn't Peyton Reed brought the Hooded Avenger into the MCU yet? I mean... Yes! Oh, it's right in uh, the name. Literally. <laughs> I guess technically Captain America is a Hooded Avenger, but... You know, <laughs> no, but it would be perfect as a one off gag just to have yeah, him in the background. Absolutely. As a failed superhero. Steve Rogers is going to. Oh, my God. That would be a perfect story for like one of Louis Louise's crazy yes. backstories. He would just fucking be talking about how he met a random red hooded man who was talking about how he lost his friend to molasses. His friend molasses or <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite jokes in the show. Period. So this is a story about a guy named Al and he lived in the sewer with his hamster pal. And the sanitation worker was like, yo, we don't approve, dog. And he's <laughs> <laughs> just doing the theme over and over again. <laughs> The opening theme kind of sounds like a Luis monologue in a way. It does. Oh it God. keeps digressing into these red herrings that have nothing to do with anything. Like, you know, <laughs> he lived in a sewer, but the sanitation workers kicked him out. Then he had a dream about wearing lederhosen in a vat of sour cream. But that's really not important to the story. <laughs> then he met this dental hygienist, but he lost her number. With a spatula tattooed on her it's arm. It's like bizarro Sherwood Schwartz. It sets this brilliant tone of randomness for the rest of the show. And it, the, even the opening credit sequence itself can't decide what animation style it wants to be. It's so great. I, I love that theme song. I have yes. every word of that fucking theme song memorized. <laughs> and it's easily in my top 10, if not number one of my favorite TV show themes of all time. It is one of the catchiest theme songs ever. Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged CEO. In an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers, the studio decided to go in a different direction, and thus their most unique creation was born. And they called it 
The Emperor's New Groove. But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooveverse out there, and I intend to explore it all on The Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on The Emperor's New Podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember, beware the groove! You know, there's something about when the star of a show is in the position to make their own theme song, because that and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air are like the two best theme songs of all time. Yes! <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so, uh, but, but what I was getting to earlier, so I mentioned the commentaries. Now, the Weird Al show is available several places online. All 13 episodes are up on YouTube to watch for free. Some fan put them up. No one's taken them down. But if you want to stream it through more legit means, it's also available to stream on Tubi, Pluto TV, Shout Factory TV, and Crackle. But if you really want the full Weird Al show experience... You have to track down the complete series DVD set, which Shout Factory released in 2006, because the DVD includes commentary on all 13 episodes. And those commentaries are not available anywhere online that I could find, and they are amazing. Yes. Oh, my God. It's Al, Peyton Reed, and one of the producers, Tom Frank, and they just spend all 13 episodes venting about their frustrations with CBS and making fun of the show's shortcomings. It's so great. It's it's like... The show itself is great, but the commentaries are just the wonderful icing on the cake. You got to track down that DVD set. I, I really do. I got to figure out how to get it. Oh, my God. Also, that one clip where one girl was like, hey, Al, I really like that TV show, that kid, Saturday yes. morning kids show you did. Why did it get canceled? And she was like, oh, it's because. Yeah, th that was from uh, an Al TV special he later released in 1999. Uh, you can you can you can find this on YouTube. And Al says, you know, there was just too there was just too many restrictions with CBS. They wouldn't let me, you know pick up a big sharp knife and hack into my arm like this, you know? <laughs> See, it's just, oh, I'm losing a lot of blood. Oh. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, that girl who asks him the question, that is a young Octavia Spencer. I'm not joking. <gasps> oh my Octavia God. Holy shit. Oscar winner Octavia Spencer was in a 1999 Al TV special asking him why the Weird Al show was canceled. <laughs> oh my god and by the way um this isn't part of the same youtube video it's somewhere else but it was part of the same ask al segment on that al tv special one of the other people who asks al a question is a young melissa mccarthy not Ooh. joking melissa mccarthy <laughs> and octavia spencer who by the way were later nominated for the for oscars in the same year fucking they were both on this, you know, that at that point, 12 year old, you know, Weird Al special for MTV that almost no one saw. Except, <laughs> I mean, Al, Al was on Al did do a voice on an episode of Sabrina, the animated series. Oh, where, yeah. Where he sung oh, the yeah. Razor song. <laughs> yeah. I've got an electric shaver, which was a parody of a song that Sabrina had written earlier in the episode. Like, you know, you've made it when Weird Al parodies you. And in that show, Melissa Joan Hart voiced the two ants. Also, the same year as the Weird Al show, 1997, Al presented an award at the American Music Awards with Melissa Joan Hart. And in that segment, Al referred to Melissa Joan Hart as his, quote, hot muffin of love. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Bitch. Oh. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) She also goes on the list of people who Al must severely regret working with. (laughs) Well, he didn't work with Melissa Joan Hart that much. There's people... Much higher on that list, believe you me. But we don't have to talk about them. Victoria Jackson. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) thankfully, this episode we're talking about does not have any regrettable celebrities. Thank God. (sighs) Not that I'm aware of. Although apparently they tried to get Shatner for a a cameo in this episode. Uh Because they wanted him to do like like a Shatnerian performance of a Christmas song or something. I, I don't know exactly. But... It was definitely playing off the whole Rocket Man thing. And when Shatner said no, they tried to get Leslie Nielsen, but Leslie Nielsen was busy filming Mr. Magoo. Wouldn't have wanted to deprive the world of that. (laughs) So ultimately, they just cut the bit. (laughs) You know who was on the Weird Al show at one point? John Tesh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different episode, but that's a whole other thing. We don't don't have to talk about that. Nobody even remembers who John Tesh is. (laughs) No. I didn't know who John Tesh was until that happened. (laughs) Victoria Jackson is also on an episode of the Weird Al show because Al tried to cast as many people from UHF as possible. Yeah, he um, got Jende Watanabe and Emo Phil. Gede Watanabe and Kevin McCarthy, Emo Phillips and... David Bowe. David Bowe, yes, and Victoria Jackson. But those are all in different episodes, so we don't have to talk about them. I do want to name some of my favorite cameos from the show because this show had... God knows how many. Oh, yes. absolutely. So Dr. Demento and yes. Emo Phillips were in the same episode with Dweezil Zappa, too. Yeah, Dweezil Zappa. <laughs> His cameo was awesome because. Oh, my uh, God. Because Alec basically keeps torturing him and getting him to do all these chores for him in hopes of some chocolate lasagna, which is. <laughs> This was also Patton Oswalt's, one of his first TV roles, too, in the first episode. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Patton Oswalt's in an episode. Um, Drew Carey uh, makes a brief appearance. In fact... Yeah, he was in the same episode as Fred Willard. Yeah, the late great Fred Willard was in an episode. Matter of fact, uh, this is a true story. Like you said, the Weird Al show was shot at NBC Studios in Burbank, and it was actually shot on the very same soundstage where The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was filmed uh, decades ago. Oh. oh, yeah, that's right. I read about that. But down the hall in the same big studio space was another soundstage where at the time The Tonight Show with Jay Leno was being filmed. And so very often, and this happened more than once, this happened a few times, when they were trying to get a big celebrity guest uh, who happened to be on The Tonight Show that particular night, Al would literally go to the Tonight Show green room and try to sweet talk them. Hey, do you have like a few minutes to come to the studio next door? And, you know, <laughs> in Drew Carey's case, like put your head in a box. You want to do that? <laughs> I got a Saturday morning show. And that's how he first met Drew Carey. And Drew Carey, I think Drew Carey was the only person who said yes via that process. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he get a map to his house? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, but (laughs) Al and Drew Carey later became good friends and the very next season did a cameo on the Drew Carey show. Yes. And then Drew Carey was in Al's uh, It's All About the Pentiums video. That was fucking awesome. (laughs) And there's also that video of him and a couple other guys playing accordion together at the American Music Awards. That was at the American Music Awards. It was Weird Al, Drew Carey, Those Darn Accordions and Dick Contino all playing this big accordion medley of songs that had won best song at the American Music Awards over the years. And it was because Drew Carey was hosting that year that that even happened. But the significant thing about that moment 
it was the first time Al ever appeared on TV without the glasses and mustache. Actually, he did have a mustache still, but he also had a beard that he was starting to grow. Yeah, he had the goatee. Yeah, he had, he had a little goatee. So he didn't look like himself at all. And I didn't even recognize him the first time I watched it. I thought it was just another member of those darn accordions. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> so I, I watched the whole number and I'm like, I thought Al was going to be on this. What the fuck? <laughs> I had to watch it again to realize... Why doesn't he have the glasses? What the fuck? And it took some getting used to, to get used to that new look. Because that was very shortly after the Weird Al show. And the Weird Al show was kind of, it was one of the last times he had the old look of the glasses and mustache, the classic Al. It was kind of the oh, last yeah. throws of that. Before he got like LASIK and such. Before he got LASIK surgery. Yeah, that was. I kind of um, like that pun, classic Al. <laughs> yeah, classic, classic Al. Al. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> waka waka <laughs> also because i teased this on the twitter this show does have a connection to our very first topic adventures in wonderland oh does it well well <laughs> yeah terry gar was on the show oh okay she yeeted al into the wall and gilbert godfrey gilbert <laughs> godfrey had a cameo like mcnasty himself <laughs> gilbert godfrey as al's imaginary friend i'm not Imaginary. Who may or may not actually be imaginary. It, it's left ambivalent. Do you want to say somebody nay? It always comes back to Gilbert Gottfried, doesn't it? Every time. You know, Gilbert Gottfried is just one of those actors who loves to work and will be in literally anything. Nice. He literally flew all the way from New York to L.A. just to do that Weird Al show appearance. Like, he just wow. spent his own money on the plane ticket, I, I believe. Like, he, he just <laughs> loves to work. Wait, you said Gilbert Gottfried will do anything, right? Um, I mean, probably within reason. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give him 100 bucks, and he is going to read uh, the closed captioning on Pornhub videos to me. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, he did read Fifty Shades of Grey in one video, yeah. so. <laughs> He's reading the Pornhub captions. Hi, Gilbert. Here's a hundred bucks. Please be on our podcast. This is Mike McNasty. Holy fuck is this wrong. But holy hell, is this erotic. But holy hell, is it erotic. <laughs> also, Randy's become Joe Rogan. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the Joe Rogan of this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> also, one more guest appearance I want to point out, which is easily my all-time favorite Weird Al show bit, Fred fucking Flintstone. Yes! Yes! yes. Holy <laughs> fucking shit. Yes! Well, if it isn't Al Yankstone. Well, if it isn't Al Yankstone. Fred, old buddy. I have, um, you can't see it, I'm, it's not on video, if you're listening to the podcast, but... On my shelf at Savers, I found a fucking Fred Flintstone mug still in the box. Oh, man. Bruh. I have the box on my shelf, and I have not used the cup because it is cracked, well, but... Well, yeah, but damn, what do to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but damn a shit. Yeah, in a completely different episode, there was a segment that revealed that Al was originally on the pilot of the Flintstones... <laughs> In a segment that was animated by Hanna-Barbera and used the actual voices of Fred and Wilma Flintstone uh, at the time. And it was amazing. Al as Al Yankstone, Fred's long lost cousin. And Al <laughs> keeps blowing his lines and Fred gets mad at him. And <laughs> yeah, that segment was amazing. It's such a beautiful fucking bit. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just go watch this show, guys. Please. Yes. Absolutely. Every single episode is is just watch it. Absolutely. But we're not talking about that episode. So we get into our today's episode in yes. possibly the only intro where Billy West doesn't yell halfway through into it. It's kind of funny. It's like he's so calm reading it. He's like, it's important to be a good listener. I was half expecting him to just say, listener! Or something like that. <laughs> just bust the kids' eardrums. I mean, that would have worked because, you know, listen to me! Be a good listener! Like, you, you know... <laughs> It, it would have fit, but I don't know. I, I don't know why, but I was thinking of like Josh Peck be a good listener. Listener! You know, he probably had to record all those narrator announcements for all 13 episodes in like one day. Maybe his voice was getting tired by then. Yeah. This was like the 12th <laughs> out of 13 episodes, so. And no Fat Man cartoon in this episode. Nope, unfortunately, no. Oh, yeah. Please, for the love of God, I already had to deal with John Kay. Oh. <laughs> Oh, John Kay wasn't involved in the Fat Man. No, thank, thank fucking God. The Fat Man segments in this were actually made by the same team who did the CGI animation for the Weird Al show theme song, and they would later go on to do Jimmy Neutron. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. Not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm disappointed. Al never had a cameo on Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> I have a lot to say about Jimmy Neutron, but we're talking about Weird Al, so. He did appear on an episode of Back at the Barnyard, which I believe was done by the same people. Yes! Oh, we yes, know about he that. did! The best episode ever. That's a really great episode if you can track that down. Motherfucking Back at the Barnyard. That was just the best fucking show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chris Hardwick aside. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have to talk about that. Speaking of celebrities that Al probably regrets being involved with, but... Uh, what are you gonna do (laughs) and john k of all fucking i mean john k was abusing katie rice while they were doing the close but no cigar video that must have sucked for al to learn about that Uh, you you guys mind if i just step out and scream for a few minutes yeah (laughs) anyway but we don't have to talk about that unpleasantness so good let's not yeah you know what? All these celebrities, all these canceled celebrities Al's worked with, they really should have been better at listening and letting people share their feelings. <laughs> that would have solved everything. Well, I'm trying to get Vaughn for a cameo. The message in this episode is so clumsily delivered, like, like, or, or so, or so beaten into you. Like, there's a good message somewhere in there about the importance of actually listening to why someone's having a rough time, as opposed to trying to force them to just put on a happy face. But in this episode, you could make a tuna punch drinking game out of taking a shot every time a character says the word feelings. Yeah. (laughs) If I was feeling kind of depressed at a party and someone approached me and said, do you want to talk about your feelings? (laughs) (laughs) If anything, it would impact those feelings negatively. Yeah. I would be like, no, bitch. What the fuck? Stop ruining the mood pie. The mood pie would just be a fucking charred bitch. The fucking mood pie. On the commentary, the producers hated that fucking thing. It was such a hideous prop to work with. (laughs) That prop was a big reason why the episode went into like quadruple overtime, just because they had to constantly futz with it. And you'll notice more than once, Al tilts the lid of the mood pie away from the camera so the audience doesn't actually have to see it. It's like, just fuck it. Yeah. We'll imply it. We'll, we'll use your imagination. Yeah. Tell, don't show. 
It kind of gave me vibes of the imaginary pie from Hook. Yeah. It's basically just a big fucking mess of frosting and just fucking. <laughs> now that means that binging with Babish will have to make it because he did make the Twinkie Wiener he sandwich. Did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, and look, I'm not saying feelings aren't important. I'm just saying talking about them like you're a fucking preschooler is such a goddamn. Like, and just the way it's framed like, hey, Corky, you know what you need? To talk about my feelings? No one talks like that, for God's sake. <laughs> no one. No one. <laughs> oh, it feels like the CBS executives in that moment were just writing in, okay, we need the lesson, the lesson, the lesson, the lesson. And just <laughs> fucking scribbling all over the script like, ah, we're going insane. Oh, feelings. Feelings. <laughs> JB Toppersmith just comes on the screen and says, remember, Al, talk about your feelings or else. Uh, like, well, I'm feeling fucking scared. Oh, and, and that's another thing, getting in the guest stars. Do you guys know who J.B. Toppersmith is played by? Stan Freeberg. Stan Freeberg. Yes. One of Al's heroes in comedy music uh, did a bunch of very famous novelty records in the 50s, uh, went on to be kind of a legendary commercial maker. He, he kind of invented the funny commercial back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And almost kind of invented like postmodern ironic advertising in his own way and just had a monumental career for many decades uh, and then passed away finally about five years or so ago and also Aww. did voices for Looney Tunes back in the day. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, he lived a pretty amazing life. He's also Papa Bewley on this show. Papa Bewley, yeah, one of the puppets. <laughs> and the other puppet is his son, Donovan Freeberg. One of the commercial campaigns that Stan Freeberg did was the encyclopedia commercials in the 90s and Donovan was the kid in those encyclopedia commercials. <laughs> that guy, yeah. And by the way, earlier this year, the Weird Alphabet did an episode talking about the Weird Al show. In that episode, they point out that Stan Freeberg as J.B. Toppersmith looks remarkably uncannily like Bernie Sanders. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Once you see it, you oh can't unsee it. I am once again asking you to watch the Weird Al show. <laughs> <laughs> we have got to give the 1% of the Weird Al show to the... <laughs> We should probably talk about the cast a little bit, too, because it is a yeah, yeah, yeah. very fun ensemble cast. And it's also comprised of people that Al's worked with in the past, like Judy Tenuta. Judy Tenuta, yeah. I'm sure I'm getting her name wrong. Judy Tenuta, she's a comedian who also plays accordion. She, she's worked with Al a bunch in the past. She was the mom in the White and Nerdy video yes. later on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And who received the surge protector for her birthday. And she was Lorena Bobbitt in the headline news video. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was her? <laughs> yeah, that was her. Yeah. She's got great <laughs> comedic timing. <laughs> and in this show, she, of course, plays Madam Judy the Psychic, who's this. Back in the 90s, this was much more of a thing. You'd see late night commercials for like Psychic Friends Network, where <laughs> you'd call a fucking 900 number. It was it was all a huge scam, obviously. But so this show kind of parodied that by having. Madam Judy be one of those types, basically. <laughs> <laughs> also, Paula Jai Parker, Trudy Proud herself, plays uh, Val Brentwood Gal Spy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Val Brentwood Gal Spy. Uh, this was another thing. David Spencer, in particular, of the Weird Alphabet podcast, pointed this out. And I agree. I think Val Brentwood was the inspiration for Vimerati from Galaxy's Edge. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Really? <laughs> 
They have similar hair. They're both mm. black women. Their 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 names begin with V. They're both spies. It's kind of uncanny. Again, it's. I think that character was also in the Rebel show, if I'm not mistaken. So. I think she was. Yeah. So. <laughs> Is that true? God, yes. I hope so. That would be awesome. <laughs> and then uh, Brian Haley plays the hooded Avenger. Brian Haley, yeah. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Probably his most famous role was the Secret Service agent in Mars Attacks who had that immortal line, no, Mr. President, there's a tour going through there. (laughs) That's Brian Haley. Oh my God, okay. (laughs) He was also in Gran Torino as a Clint Eastwood son, so. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. He was in the 1997 That Darn Cat remake. Oh my God, God. no. (laughs) (laughs) That piece of shit. Isn't that on Disney Plus? Oh, wow. He was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 as Phil Watson, but his scenes got cut. Oh, damn. That would have been amazing. Oh, go figure. Oh, by the way, Kitty, both versions of that darn cat are available on Disney Plus. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they are. (laughs) Oh, yeah. To tie it in the Disney Plus real quick, he was also in the Disney Channel original movie, The 13 Year as Coach. Oh, shit. (laughs) By the way... Brian Haley hated the hooded Avenger suit. (laughs) It was so ridiculously uncomfortable under those hot studio lights. And he would just sweat fucking buckets in that thing. It was it was neoprene. It was so, so uncomfortable. Oh, you could tell, too. Yeah, he, he's not. He, there's points where he's where you could tell he's not doing. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so then after it cuts to like Al showing the mood pie, he gets upset because his friends haven't shown up yet. And then he pulls it up. The mood pie is like charred. And he's like, I mean, yay, I, I ruined the mood pie trying to make it come back to life. And then, <laughs> then the doorbell rings and he's like, oh, here comes the, here they come. And the mood pie is back to doorbell. Something I fucking love about the scene where they're all st- storming in is when Al just fucking it gets knocked over and then you can kind of see him just spitting out some teeth as he's getting back up. (laughs) (laughs) Let me talk about that because one thing the Weird Al show had to deal with was, you know, network notes, which often made no sense at all. One thing they had to watch out for, one thing that was a big bugaboo with kids shows at the time was called something called imitatable behavior. This was a few years after the infamous Beavis and Butthead incident. Uh, If, If you don't know about this, Uh, Some kid in Ohio burned down the mobile home where his family was living and killed his little sister. Oh, Oh, I heard of that. Yeah, because he saw Beavis and Butthead playing with fire. So they weren't supposed to do anything dangerous on the show that kids could imitate. But a lot of times they still managed to get away (laughs) with it. Like at the beginning of this episode, Al's guests literally trample all over him and he spits out a bunch of teeth. And then later in the home movie segment, it shows young Al burning down the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) And they only get away with it because Al immediately says, kids, don't ever play with fire. It's very dangerous, (laughs) you know. They actually show the repercussions of it, which that's how they got away with such a dark fucking joke. <laughs> yeah. Then like they also have the scene where like Al and his family get into a food fight and that they have also like, <laughs> but we'll talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. We'll talk about the home movie segment. By the way, you skipped over. Oh uh, yeah. Bobbing, bobbing for, for turkeys. turkeys. Oh yeah. 
do Bob for turkeys. Don't <laughs> turkeys for Bob. Bob can't eat turkey because it turns out he loves a vegetarian with braces. It's a vegetarian. <laughs> if you don't understand what we're talking about, listen to my episode on Sunday. Turkeys <laughs> for goddamn Bob. <laughs> oh. I fucking love you both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aww. I love you too. You, you mentioned Al's friends all come running in, most of whom are obviously side characters that the Weird Al showed. By the way, we didn't mention Cousin Corky, oh, yeah. played by yeah. Danielle Weeks. She was another side character on the show. Danielle Weeks, very talented actress. She's been yes. in a bunch of stuff over hmm. the years. Yeah, what's she up to now? I know she was she was recently in a commercial. I don't remember what for, though. That's uh, very helpful, I know. Hmm. And by the way, I don't buy for a second that Cousin Corky has never gotten a Valentine's. <laughs> I was like, no. Nah. I don't buy that. I get it was a joke, but yeah, I was like, nah. You're hot. You you get you probably get cat called every fucking day. I don't buy it. Yeah. Hey, I'd simp. By the way, if the show gets rebooted, Val Corky and Alex Hooded Avenger needs to be canon. It's true and you should say it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, my ride's here. <laughs> Gotta wait for the siren to pass. Gotta wait. Living in Koreatown, doodly-doo. Hey, Cab! Storing meat for the apocalypse, doodly-doo. <laughs> Yay! Koreatown. Speaking of meat, something I did forget to mention was when he was describing all the food he was going to be serving at the party, like heart-shaped ham and candy corn on the cob. Yeah. That ham looked disgusting. I'm sorry. All that food it, looked disgusting. That's I mean, yeah, of- but... <laughs> Honestly, coming from someone who just is not a ham fan, ham just never looks appetizing to me. I love bacon. I like ham. I've never been a ham guy. I just never vibed with it. It's just the way it looked from that angle. I know it was definitely intended that way. It looked like a raw chicken covered in pineapple slices. I do want to talk about the party guests, though, because, like I said, most of them are side characters from the Weird Al show who we've seen in other episodes. Like I said, I've seen every episode of the Weird Al show like 10 times. An astonishingly large number of the party guests in this episode were never seen before or since. Yeah, I mean, there are quite a few. You know what really confused me? Okay, so in a past episode, there's a squirmy chef who tries to cook... Yes. (laughs) Weird Al's pet hamster, Harvey. Varma, yeah. I know, he tried to cook Harvey. Al kicked him out of his cave, and then he invites him back to the holiday party? Where he feuds with Uncle Ralphie. (laughs) And Uncle Ralphie, who is Al's rival in the the competition episode. Does Harvey get a say in this? No. Does Harvey get a say in anything? I mean, why do you think he's not at the party at first? You invited <laughs> that fucking guy? Fuck you. Yeah, I'm going to reenact Groundhog Day and bury myself until he goes away. <laughs> now, if you excuse me, I have to go be the Groundhog in Caddyshack. Although there is a kind of a funny gag where Varma's all, and today is hamster stewing day and none of you care. <laughs> But yeah, like I was saying, a bunch of party guests were never seen before since the woman dressed as an angel, the guy dressed as one of Santa's elves, the guy dressed as a British redcoat. The guy, the pilgrim. Yeah, and the pilgrim. This is the only appearance on the show of all four. I don't know who the fuck they are. I mean, we know that the pilgrim is uh, Corky's booty call, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty clear. And she's angry at him for flirting with the angel. That, the British yeah. guy is Martin Lewis, and they literally list him yeah. on Wikipedia as token Brit. 
Yeah, Martin Lewis, a TV personality in England who organized the uh, Secret Policeman's Ball charity events that ran for a while. And also, one of my notes here, remember when people threw holiday parties? That was nice. Oh, now I'm sad. (laughs) Remember people? Only 2019 kids remember. Yeah. On a side note, JB predicted 2020 because when he shows up yes. only by video conference and he's like, I don't want to be with yeah. all you people. It's like, he's <laughs> actually quarantined. <laughs> I have the illusion of being without all that pesky personal contact. <laughs> pressure, you know? And to an extent, so does Madam Judy because her April Fool's bit correctly predicts everything that happened this year. It yeah. was a nightmare. Yeah. Oh my God. Correctly predict to 2020. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and by the way, speaking of J.B. Toppersmith, I love how at the end, when they're singing Auld Lang Syne, he's swaying back and forth on the monitor. <laughs> That's such a great visual gag. It really it really is the little things. I love that bit. Um, another thing it was also when, when Hooded Avenger first shows up and then Al just jumps into his arms and he's like, oh, I want blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah 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 then he's like you're not santa (laughs) (laughs) do they want these kids to just realize every santa is a lie (laughs) well i i i think the conceit there well it's clearly hooded avenger who you've seen in the show before so it's okay if he dresses up as santa that's a costume (laughs) but the real santa claus totally still exists yeah yes that also does lead into one of uh, actually really decent bit where Al mentions a pony and then the Hooded Avengers like, oh, you want to hear a story about how I almost got a pony for Christmas? Yes! And it just <laughs> went away at the last minute. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not as ham-fisted as everything else yeah. that they do with trying to bring the lesson into it, but it, it got a laugh out of me. It was so fucking <laughs> ridiculous and I loved it. Just how Al's like, nah. <laughs> it's like, to be fair, that is a mood. If some random guy at a party was like, I never got a pony for Christmas. What a board for me. Like I said, the whole thing, everything about it is clunky. It's like, it's, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not natural. The, the message they're saying is basically, if people just want to spill their guts to you, you have to indulge them or you're a bad friend. It's like, I mean, the guy does have a, party to run you yeah. know <laughs> cut him a little slack it's a party not goddamn therapy yeah <laughs> damn you billy west <laughs> then you have val show up as basically saint patrick's day and she just begins pinching yeah. people's cheeks i was a little disappointed that they didn't do it like they did in uhf where like the old woman pinches <laughs> al's cheek and then just stretches it <laughs> you got such a good face <laughs> face <laughs> did you look at this face is this a face you could die for <laughs> About the Val subplot, there's this weird, there's mm-hmm. this weird line where the hoodage of Avengers talking to Al, and he says something along the lines of, "If that Val pinches me one more time, I might have to do something very unhero like." So is he gonna like hit her? <laughs> well, here's the thing: considering how many edgy, grim, dark superhero movies there are nowadays, there's basically no such thing anymore as unsuperhero like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. You can do the worst shit to someone, there's still a superhero who did it. It's it's still going to be tamer than Batman v Superman, you know? Tell me, Hooded Avenger. Yeah. Do you bleed? I will. You will. <laughs> He's going to become the Snyder version of the Hooded Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine that. There was a different episode where... Um, where we found out about Hooded Avengers' old sidekick, Mr. Molasses, yes! 
who kept slowing him down because he was the slowest superhero ever. He would just run like he was in slow motion. And then he got in a freak road paving accident and <laughs> and moved to Boise, Idaho for some reason. So yeah, it, it, Mr. Molasses probably doesn't bleed. But anyway, by the way, the joke about Volcano Worshippers Day uh, in this episode, that is a reference to a club Al founded in high school, the Volcano Worshippers. They literally didn't do anything. They just formed the club to get an extra picture in the yearbook. <laughs> And Al's used it as a reference here and there. Like in UHF, one of the shows on the U62 schedule was the Volcano Worshippers Hour. Yes. <laughs> and then like, oh my God, one of them is voter registration day. It's like, gee, sure would have been nice if people in the 90s listened to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wouldn't have gotten eight years of Bush. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we only got four years, but we did get eight years of Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> On the plus side, we got eight years of Clinton, and while fuck that guy as a president, he was still pretty good. We got eight years of the other Bush, though, after the weird. Yeah, show, that's so. what I meant. W. <laughs> oh, ew, gross. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and then like at one point, the Al's talking with one of them, and then he's like, "Try the tapioca stuffed potatoes." And I'm like, "They make boba potatoes now." <laughs> <laughs> Bobatatoes. Ah. Bobatatoes. There it is. <laughs> That'll be the next Instagram trend. <laughs> By the way, I think boba tea literally just actually translates to boob tea, <laughs> as far as I've read. I'm probably wrong, but. Or maybe it's boob tree, that fun drawing game. <laughs> And then he's talking to like Mrs. Feathers very I can't I barely forgot uh, her name. Fezenmeyer. Yeah, Fezenmeyer. Yeah. Mrs. Fezenmeyer. And then at one point while while they're talking, and then, then she's like, Al, let's learn how to listen, shall we? And then you just see like Hooded Avenger what? being chased by Fal like fucking claws. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, and then at one point when, before they cut to commercial, Al's just over the mood pie, like, no, it's getting ruined. And then his face just starts turning green. So I was like, oh my God, it, Al's becoming the mask. <laughs> <laughs> He's hulking out. You don't want to make him angry, man. <laughs> That's my secret cap. I'm always weird. <laughs> That's my secret cap. I'm always fat. <laughs> That's my secret cap. I'm always mood pie. I'm always hooded Avenger. I'm always white and nerdy. Hooded Avenger Infinity War. We've probably just talked about hooded Avenger more than we have Al. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about the fruitcake joke? Because Yes. It's not easy to make funny fruitcake jokes at this point because it's just a subject that has been run completely dry but al's fruitcake monologue probably comes the closest i love the butcher knife that fucking bends into a fucking <laughs> pretzel when he tries to cut it i love the escalation of him you know using a fucking welding torch and shit and the backstory of it coming over on the mayflower when it was <laughs> where it was used as an anchor when the real anchor was eaten by a sea monster i love shit like that and then he has to try to weld it and then it still isn't fucking yeah. you know i was kind of expecting that corky was just gonna get frustrated take it from him and then punch it so that it would finally snap into yeah. like her, the episode like the talent show episode oh yeah call back to the talent show yeah episode. that was that was a different ep that was the same episode as the Flintstones, yeah. actually. But, but yeah. I was hoping for a callback to that, but eh. yeah, it would have been nice. Oh, well. Then Al just picks it up and is like, mmm, salty. 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And then also another joke we forgot to mention was when Madam Judy comes up to him and then he's like, hey, Madam Judy, what are you going as? And then she just starts rambling and fucking screaming. And then she's like, nope, April Fool's. (laughs) Yep. Uh, That was good. (laughs) She's she's great in this show, man. (laughs) The mood for 2020. As clunky as the moral of this episode is, it does a good job capturing the vibe of what the Weird Al show is supposed to be about and the characters who surround him. Yeah. Like, it's very Pee-wee's Playhouse-esque. Like, you sort of have, like, you know, the Miss Yvonne of the show, the Cowboy Curtis in the Hooded Avenger. I also feel like, honestly, the less serious it takes itself, the better. Like, the more bizarre and kind of hypocritical it gets, the even better it is. It just kind of feels like it's living in its own world. You know, one character who appeared on the show a lot, but who's not in this episode, was Bobby the Inquisitive Boy. Yeah, Yeah. why wasn't he in this? And by the way, the reason Bobby the Inquisitive Boy is not in this episode is because they knew, just because it was such a complicated episode with so many moving elements, they knew that the episode would probably go into overtime and there are child labor laws. So So they're like, let's just not have Bobby in this episode to begin with. But Bobby the Inquisitive Boy was a great character. Every episode where he shows up, he basically asks Al a question like, yo, where does dirt come from? (laughs) Or what happens when I don't brush my teeth? And that's Al's excuse to show an educational short film (laughs) made up of old clips from 50s educational films, but with new narration to make it funny. And those were some of the funniest parts of the show. Basically, they were the shorts you'd see on MST3K or something. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. And it, yeah, there was there was some great stuff in yes. there. And the actor, Gary Leroy Gray, I believe also went on to a voice acting career. Really? I think he was in Fairly Odd Parents or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he might have been AJ in that show. I haven't looked it up. <laughs> I also fucking love in episode five how he's just extremely impatient while Al's just trying to get his time yes. shit figured out. And he's like, my Al, I yeah. need to know just shakes the universe and he's like and Al shows him a completely different film called Mind Your Manners <laughs> alright Veruca alright the film will cut to a clip of two guys talking to each other and for some reason they're wearing the exact same sweater <laughs> And, you know, what does a polite host do? A polite host wears a sweater identical to the one his friend is wearing. (laughs) That makes his guest feel at ease. There's a really good bit that Bobby has in the episode where Al plays hooky and Quirky tries to show him one of the educational videos. (laughs) And he comes in, he's like, he's talking about how he needs to get like a project done or something. I need to know how a nuclear reactor works. <laughs> you have three forks. <laughs> so so the projector fails on them in the middle of the movie, and he just goes into this tangent where he loses his shit, and he's, and he's like listing all these bad things that are going to happen to him because this one video didn't show or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to drop out of school. My self-esteem will drop through the floor. I'll get mixed in with the wrong crowd. They'll trick me into joining a group of counter-revolutionaries in some third world country. <laughs> And it's all your fault. (laughs) I bet that's how Al was secretly parroting the CBS executives and how they thought kids would imitate the show if it wasn't 100% to their liking. (laughs) That's the thing. One of the biggest fuck yous to the network that they were able to get away with putting in the show itself. Again, along the same lines as girls just want to have lunch, all that shit. There was an episode where it was revealed that the Hooded Avenger had multiple PhDs. (laughs) 
And they got a note from the network saying, you know, you should explain what a PhD is because kids might not know that. It's like kids know what a PhD is. And so after Hooded Avengers talks about PhDs, Al tells Bobby, Bobby, a PhD is a degree that one earns in college after mastering a subject. And Bobby just says, duh, I'm not a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, stick it to the man. (laughs) I just assumed that joke was just making Al feel dumb. But yeah, like it had that purpose too, but it was also a big fuck you to the network. <laughs> you see, the Weird Al show can be funny when it wants to be, and it is very funny, but like, yeah. again, CVS just kept dragging this show through the mud. Yeah. It really feels like they are just doing their goddamn best against a show that is just suppressing them so hard. And you can really tell, and you just kind of love that about it. Not to mention, like, the show is is made for kids, but it's not made for fucking toddlers. Like, it's made for, like, preteens, no. maybe elementary school kids like i can reasonably yeah. see myself loving this show when i was a kid like and plus another thing that bothers me is that they're all oh well, there's kids are not gonna be into something that's so ironic and making fun of itself animaniacs was the most popular cartoon at this time exactly yes kids love meta That was another fucking thing that the networks were on about. Every time Al would make some pop culture reference, the network would be like, you know, kids don't know that. Like in one episode, right before a commercial break, all of a sudden you hear this big loud, ah! And Al would go like, oh no, it's the Yoko Ono alarm. That means it's time for a commercial. I fucking love that joke. (laughs) And the network note was, kids don't know who Yoko Ono is. And Al was like, well, they can learn. They can ask their parents, mom, dad, who's Yoko Ono. And then the show can actually be educational. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but they crossed the line at Yoko Ono, but John Tesh is okay. Yeah. What the hell? fucking knows who John Tesh is. Not only that, but okay. I, I gotta talk about that. In the John Tesh episode, It's the episode where the moral is don't make promises you can't keep. Al tells some stupid lie about personally knowing John Tesh when he doesn't. And his friends are like, oh, cool. Can you invite him to the cave so we can meet him? He's like, yeah, sure. Okay. And then Al finds out that John Tesh's celebrity appearance price is like (laughs) $82,000. So to raise $82,000, he has this scam infomercial (laughs) where he sells all these worthless products. And at the end, all the people he sold products to come back to the cave to demand their money back. And one of the customers is the real John Tesh. Oh my God. (laughs) That's the punchline of the whole episode is that John Tesh shows up and says, hey, Yankovic, I bought your stupid thing. It it didn't work. You should be ashamed of yourself. How how do you sleep at night? This is a ripoff. And Al just doesn't even look at him. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Here's your money back. And then does like a double take. The network insisted on cutting to Harvey with a thought bubble of showing John Tesh. Oh my God, that's John Tesh. And Al fucking hated that. He's like, uh, don't explain the joke. If they don't get it, they don't get it. But don't explain the joke. That just kills it. It's like, oh man. It's yeah, it was it was it was frustrating dealing with God, network yeah. notes uh on this show, especially. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned preschoolers earlier, how it's not a preschool show. The show was not very successful, which is probably why it only lasted one season. It didn't get very good ratings. 
in part because the network didn't really promote it. Like they only aired ads for the show during the Saturday morning block when oddly enough, no one was watching. Yeah. <laughs> Great plan. They didn't even promote the Hanson episode. Hanson. No. Hanson. Hanson was in the show. This was when they were at the peak of their fame. This was 1997. CBS did nothing to promote it. Not even extra ads. Like this week on the weird Al show, Hanson drops by like, like, they would have had every right to do that, and they just didn't. No one no one knew they were even on. They could have drawn in all the teen girls, and oh my god. They could have. It would, it would have been crazy. Anyway, so they didn't do well in the ratings, and the network would, would send Al messages like, well, on the bright side, uh, you're actually doing really well with two to five-year-olds. Oh, <laughs> because the show had bright colors or something, and Al's just says, why don't we just dangle a set of car keys in front of the camera? <laughs> like... <laughs> And now that demographic of two to five year olds is listening to this podcast now, 20 years later. Yep. 20 something <laughs> years later. We're sorry, two to five year olds. We're sure you're very nice people. <laughs> and thank you for at least giving the show some recognition. We appreciate you. <laughs> you're valid. Aw. So anyway, we should get back to going through the actual episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then, like, Corky's just talking about how, oh, I've lost my pilgrim. And then it's like, you lost your colonizer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't trust him. He's going to give that angel woman smallpox now. So, <laughs> I mean, cousin Corky probably did grow up to be a Karen. So who knows? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Still way better than Pocahontas. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And so then it cuts to, like, them all having a toe. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Another thing I forgot to mention was that Uncle Ralphie and Varna start having a feud because Varna ended up buying the very last Fourth of July costume. like The very last Uncle Sam costume. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he's just the fucking Easter Bunny. And then Al's just like, while they're feuding, hey, there's some eggs in that abandoned mine shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Go on an Easter egg. <laughs> Easter egg hunt in an abandoned mine. See, the Weird Al show would do dark jokes like that every now and then, and they were great. But then they come back out and they're like, all those underground rats ate all the eggs, huh? <laughs> Something like that. And then Varna's just like, that's the last yeah. time I trust the miners, which I wonder if that was also a callback to the mining episode. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. And Uncle Ralphie says, next year I'm going to Fred Huggins' holiday party, which we'll get to Fred Huggins. He's got a, oh, man, I can't wait to talk about Fred he's Huggins. He's got a segment later on. But. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then just the random British guy just shows up and he's like, gets into a feud with Barna and then just starts attacking him. I'm like, wow, I love Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Al bashes two trash can lids together, which is a great way to silence the guests. And, <laughs> and, he, and he says, you know, this party's for happy people. If you're not happy, then leave. And they all do. So <laughs> they all leave. They're like, yeah, whatever. What'd you think, Al? And it's like, no, Al has a party for one because he didn't listen. And it's like, we get it. We get it. We get it. For the longest time, I just assumed those Billy West bits were just callbacks to the Batman TV show from the 60s. Oh, yes, I could see that. That was kind of ultimately the conceit of them and how they were able to make them work kind of sort of to their sensibilities. But it was absolutely a way to appease the network's desire to have the 
the educational message just pounded into kids' heads. I also fucking love yeah. that scene where they're all having a toast and Al's just like, he mentions Bastille Day and the list of giant holiday on the holiday <laughs> montage. Yeah, he's just going down the list of every holiday in existence. And it, it, it's, I'm sure he's reading off a teleprompter, but it's still pretty impressive. <laughs> and then if this wasn't a kid's show, you just know that somebody's going to walk in holding their head or something <laughs> for Bastille Day. <laughs> So anyway, after Al kicks everyone out, there's a commercial break and then the channel hopping segment. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about the channel hopping segment because there was one in every episode. At some point in the episode, sometimes it would be when Al was at his lowest moment, like here. Sometimes it would be at the very beginning of the episode so as not to interrupt the plot. It would be all over the place, but always somewhere in the episode, Al would say like, well, let's, uh, I don't know what to do. Let's watch some TV. And now the conceit of this, which was introduced in the episode, it was quote unquote introduced in an episode which was intended to be the pilot, but was actually aired like ninth or 10th because the network really didn't like it. But the premise was, you know, Al says like, I know a lot of you out there like to channel hop and I don't want you to feel like you're missing out on anything by watching this show. So as a public service, let me show you what's on the other channels right now. (laughs) And That would be an excuse to basically cut to Al's TV where it would just show a bunch of basically blackout sketches of various TV parodies separated by little half second bursts of static. And they were able to introduce a lot of uh, sketch segments on this that were recurring, like Fred Huggins, which we'll get into. And also the very first segment in this uh, channel hopping bit, the exercise guy, Tony Maloney, which was Al's parody of Tony Little and other exercise gurus who were popular at the time. Oh, okay. So that's who he was making fun of. And but, uh, Tony Little did a guest appearance on the show uh, in a different episode. So <laughs> uh, had a good sense of humor. Yes. And by the way, one of Tony Maloney's sidekicks was Doug Jones. The <laughs> Doug Jones. Holy yep. shit. Fish man himself, fucking a young Doug Jones back back in his Mac Tonight days. I think this was uh, just a couple of years ago before Hellboy too. So yeah, this was this was like a couple years after Hocus Pocus. Yeah, too. yeah. Mister Fishstick himself. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'd been in Hocus Pocus by this point, but yeah, he's one of the contortionists. They don't do it in this episode, but Al at the time could like put his foot behind his head and stretch and and he was like double jointed. He doesn't do that stuff so much anymore because he's gotten old. Yeah. Doing that stuff hurts a lot more these days for him. But he got these two other contortionists who could do similar stuff. And they were it was just this, you know, bizarre parody of exercise shows where they would just, you know, contort their bodies in all these weird ways. (laughs) One sketch that they wanted the exercise guy to do, the network wouldn't let them. But going back to your point about Bastille Day, there would be an episode where Al as the exercise guy would go, all right, today we're going to do something called the head rip. <laughs> and he would rip his own head off and like juggle it back and forth. And one and two and three and four. And- oh my God, they should have done that. That would have been perfect. But, but of course- they couldn't do it because then, of course, kids would try to rip their own heads off. So, oh, come on. I've seen them do that shit on all that. There's no excuse. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, that's cable. That's right. <laughs> As a child, I actually tried to see if I could take my own head off. Guess what? I 
did it! Yay! <laughs> so, I don't know what child has freakishly strong enough arms that they could, but... <laughs> How you doing in that dumpster, by the way? I'm, I'm, I'm still looking. I uh, haven't found it yet, but... Uh, Doing good. All right, well, we'll keep us posted. I'm, I'm in Chicago. It's really cold. <laughs> you guys, could you guys send like a jacket, please? Uh, we'll uh, we'll make a note of that. All right, all right, all right. And speaking of freakishly long arms, <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. happens in this sketch. <laughs> <laughs> they just yep. start stretching his arms out really large, and they're just like, "Oh yep. yeah, oh yeah, feeling the fur." <laughs> Art. By the way, not a computer effect. The wardrobe was actually able to make a sweater that went like super stretchy like that. <laughs> it's a pretty good effect and it probably is. easy to do now on a shoestring budget. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and then we cut to Fred Huggins. <laughs> oh, here we go. Fred Huggins. Okay. Fred Huggins was basically Al's parody of insipid kids shows kind of like Barney uh, but also a lot of visually a lot of Captain Kangaroo influence the hair was definitely Captain Kangaroo absolutely yeah kind of you can see them yeah the exact similar look <laughs> and the two puppets Papa Booley and Baby Booley again played by uh, Stan Freeberg and Donovan Freeberg by, by the way Stan Freeberg another of his career accomplishments back in the 50s he and Dawes Butler hosted a very popular puppet show called Time for Beanie, Ooh. which was actually one of Jim Henson's greatest inspirations for the Muppets. Oh, oh my God. Al may not have much involvement with the Muppets, but they got the guy who inspired the Muppets. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, my God. Also, I've decided that Papa Bully and Baby Bully are both related to Statler and Waldorf somehow. You'll just have to trust me. <laughs> oh, definitely. And Tony, I've been waiting for this moment because there is a very specific Fred Huggins story that I'm sure you're about to tell. Oh, yes. Okay, so. <laughs> this one I know from the commentaries. I haven't seen it, but I've read yeah. it. <laughs> okay, they told this story uh, on on the commentary, and this is actually the one part of the commentary that you can find on YouTube. Oh, yeah. If you just search Lost Fred Huggins episode, it's the audio is the commentary of them talking to that edited to clips and screenshots from the show. But originally, the Fred Huggins sketch in this episode ended with Papa and Baby Bully killing themselves. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It ended with them just going, I, he's singing the I'm a Little Kitty song. And they were just like, I can't take it. Me neither. Remember our promise. I'm with you. I love you, son. I love you too, dad. And Papa Bully would put a noose around his neck while baby Bully drank from a bottle marked with a skull and crossbones. (laughs) It'd basically be like that episode of Family Guy where Peter starts singing bird is the word again. Then Stewie just slowly lowers a gun into his mouth. By the way, fun fact, Seth MacFarlane pitch family guy as an animated segment for the weird al show oh my god was it like the original larry and steve yeah pretty much that concept he took a lot of meetings at the time and he pitched it to the weird al show producers as an animated segment and instead of fat man which they ultimately went with and the response from al and the producers was like this is way too good. The network's never going to accept it. And they wished Seth MacFarlane the best of luck. And apparently he had it. So he escaped dying on 9-11. That's some pretty good luck right there. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. But as they acknowledge on the commentary, like the Weird Al show was almost the Tracy Ullman show of Family Guy. <laughs> that would have been fucking nuts. But <laughs> That would have been insane. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to the sketch where uh, the puppets kill themselves. The best part of the, the, I haven't gotten to the best part of the story. The network considered it. <laughs> the note they got back from the network was, we're considering it. <laughs> it's like, it's a, their standards were so fucking erratic on this show. It's, Jesus Christ. But I must say, as great as them killing themselves would have been, which is a sentence you never want to hear, as great as yeah. them killing themselves would have been. Yeah. I must say... Calling the insane asylum is a great substitute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I especially love the way Papa Bully says, yeah, he's singing the kitty song again. <laughs> That's just a great line reading. They just get him arrested. <laughs> yeah. Where are you taking me? The Weird Al show did do a very good job of getting dark when it wanted to be. Uh, Don't you're, hurt. you're hurting my little wristy. <laughs> <laughs> also, when the next commercial is the today, we're going to be talking about the uvula. I was like, yes. oh, God, what's going to play WAP? <laughs> the urethra? You know, th this show had an obsession with uvulas. It mentioned them a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the uh, hooky episode. There are three things you want to say. Yeah. Please. Please thanks, thanks. And, and uvula. uvula. <laughs> Hey, the uvula is a funny fucking body part. I mean, it's, what is with that thing? You know, Cardi B <laughs> should have watched this show. Then she'd know what uvulas are called. Exactly. <laughs> Certified freak, seven days a week, wet ass uvula. <laughs> well, I forgot the rest of the words. Weird Al pasta. I don't know. <laughs> so let's say, just assuming that you have a uvula. Let's say, just assume, uvulas don't get wet in that regard. I don't know Tony, what- Tony, no. <laughs> Uh, so let's say you have a quote unquote wet ass U word. Let's say just hypothetically, just hypothetically, let's <laughs> let's say for the sake of argument that you had a wonder hamster and it was <laughs> <laughs> and hypothetically his name is Harvey. I can imagine if the Weird Al show still somehow miraculously ran the day, they probably would have a Tucker Carlson XB or. <laughs> Or Ben Shapiro, a la how the Animaniacs reboot did it. <laughs> Basically, the Al TV reporter turned into a right winger over time. <laughs> yeah, the news anchor sketches uh, were, were also part of channel hopping. In this episode, he's, you know, this just in ping pong spelled backwards is not I just love random shit like that. Me too. We should also talk about the Siskel and Ebert parody. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, my God. Those are so fucking beautiful. By the way, this marks the second thing we've covered on this podcast with a Siskel and Ebert parody. <laughs> Huzzah. Yeah, the puzzle place had one. Oh, wow. <laughs> the thumbs up, thumbs down show. This It was oddly prescient of how film criticism has evolved into childish name calling. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like how the, basically how they were in episode, in the record episode, how they were talking about how, oh, this movie is the greatest thing ever. And this is the greatest thing ever. And then this episode, they're basically yelling at each other back and forth. I'm like, oh my God, it's the Batman v Superman fans and the last Jedi discourse. <laughs> yeah. How is this bit not become a meme at this point? 
couple of fun facts about that sketch. The movie they're talking about uh, is Rabid Puppy, which was the name of an actual unproduced screenplay that Al wrote in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it Cujo? <laughs> it was going to be like a Spinal Tap type thing about a band called Rabid Puppy. <laughs> It was written for Showtime and it never actually got made. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> but the Fred Willard sketch in the other episode where he interrupts internet introducing the winner to talk about whack-a-mole or whack-a-squirrel, as they call it in the show, that was originally in Rabid Puppy. It was like right before the band won a Grammy or something. The, <laughs> oh, my God. The announcer was going <laughs> to give that speech. And by the way, according to the commentary, the original script of that Siskel and Ebert parody had basically it was was very different and it was something the network instantly said no to it had the same comic premise basically as al's song one more minute where the two critics went back and forth detailing the gruesome things they'd rather do to themselves than sit through the movie in question again like <laughs> it had stuff like i'd rather dip my head in a vat of liquid nitrogen and bash it into a million pieces with a hammer <laughs> Because everyone knows that kids would imitate that. Yeah, kids would hear that and immediately dip their heads in vats of liquid nitrogen like yeah. you did. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, hey, then the critic did a Siskel and Ebert musical, so. Yep, there you go. <laughs> well, now we have no choice but to review the critic. <laughs> Yay! It has a Siskel and Ebert in it. Oh, the, the critic's a great show. Although, is that obscure enough for this show? Uh, I, I kind of yeah. feel like... I'd say so. I kind of feel like people know what the critic is at this no, point. No, it has a Siskel and Ebert parody. We have to. <laughs> I mean, we're doing a, uh, we're doing a Drew Carey show episode some, somewhere down the line. So Animaniacs had a Siskel and Ebert parody too. Is that obscure enough for you? <laughs> it's, it's Animaniacs. Everybody. Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's nostalgic. It counts. That is the rule. The rule of Channel KRT is that it has to have a Siskel and Ebert parody. <laughs> <laughs> How's the dumpster diving going, Randy? I'm really cold. It's really getting to her. I'm really cold. Where's that jacket? You guys said you were going to send the jacket. I'm sorry, I don't- You get no jacket until you eat your meat. Eat the raw meat. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> I'm really cold. Hey, Randy, you're really rocking that uh, blue complexion right now. I'm sorry, I don't speak English. Anyway- <laughs> So anyway, and so then it cuts to like them Al back in there and he's like, well, even TV can't cheer me up. <laughs> so then he just goes to the couch and then Hooded Avenger randomly comes back and he's like, you got to learn to listen, Al. And it's like, we get it. <laughs> and again, fighting against the network notes, Al says, that's so darn sappy. It's just got to be true. Yes. <laughs> they were so desperate to claw their way out from the weight of the educational objective on top of them. They ended up completely devaluing it. And the show became Al on the commentary kind of admits the show is basically a show for nobody just because of all the compromises involved. I kind of disagree. I still really love the show, but yeah. you can kind of see where he's coming from with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they had just kept it to that one scene with the Hooded Avenger, because that would have been a perfect send off. Like that would have been a perfect yeah. time for him to kind of be like, okay, yeah. So Hooded Avenger is basically kind of just the one who tell, who wraps it up basically. And then I also still love the uh, sappy, but effective. It reminded me a lot of the live and Phineas and Ferb when Phineas is like, wow, corny, but effective. <laughs> <laughs>
So then Al's friends all come back in one big cluster, of course. And then they knock him over again. (laughs) One of my favorite things is that the song they play is uh, Hail, Hail, the Gang's All Here. I don't know why that's so funny. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know a lot of old weird songs. Yeah. So we got to talk about the home movies. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Yes, we do. That was another segment they did on the show occasionally. They didn't do it enough. They only did three segments of the home movies in all the 13 episodes, but it's just some of the best of just, you know, this fast motion, super eight footage of like Al, Al's crazy life before he had a show. In this case of Al's childhood. Oh, yeah. Child Al has the mustache, glasses and hair. I love it. And the Hawaiian shirt. He has the, that is fucking great. They were just like, you know, I I mean, I could see him having the glasses and the hair, but the mustache. (laughs) It's so stupid and I love it. It just makes it funnier. Uh, The doctor said he has a terminal mustache (laughs) disease. Yay. The whole movie segment in this has probably the line I made, possibly the funniest line in the whole series, the one that still makes me fucking laugh. When it cuts to... Let's all say it together. Three, three two, two, one. one. Ew, Ew, a, a dead, dead bird! bird. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. And then they have the amazing Jonathan in that section playing his Uncle Jonathan. Over the beautiful footage of the Thanksgiving turkey, Ew, it's a dead bird. I love that. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Ew, it's a dead bird. It is. And when you he- think of... I mean, Al was a vegan by this point, so yeah, it was it was kind of his vegan commentary. And <laughs> Ew, it's a dead bird. If you're gonna do vegan commentary, that's the way to do it, man. Just ew, it's a dead bird. And then they're all just like, "Well, we all sat around for the table for a little food fight," and I was like, "Food fight! That looks amazing. I want to go to that Thanksgiving." I like to think that that's canonically Al's religion, where instead of praying yes. at the table, you have to food fight before you can eat. Yeah. As you mentioned, Crazy Uncle Jonathan, played by the amazing Jonathan, the famous comedy magician, and uh, Al's real-life parents, Nick and Mary, playing themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, damn. And Al's mom shows up in the talent show episode, too. She does, yeah. yeah. Al loved putting his parents in in his projects because they are so the opposite of showbiz people. (laughs) They just never had any interest in performing whatsoever. So they were just so wonderfully oh. awkward whenever they would show up in Al's projects. And it was uh, and it was great. But it's so sweet how they were just so even though they had no idea what showbiz was like, they were just still so on board for helping their son out. Yeah, they were great. I got to meet them both years ago. Oh, nice. Aww. Back in the late 90s at a at, at a show. I actually had a nice long conversation with his dad, Nick Yankovic. Wow. Oh, nice. wow. Great guy. Great guy. So another joke in the home movie segment I fucking love. We already talked about the 4th of July joke of uh, burning down yeah. the neighborhood. I still just love the kid holding the sparkler then it just yeah. cuts him on fire. <laughs> yeah, again, showing the repercussions. But the trick-or-treating joke, you know, same thing every year. My friends get all this candy and I'd get a big sack of broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird, Al. 
Yeah. And he just comes in with a Nixon mask. Yeah. <laughs> and a skeleton suit. A skeleton Nixon. I love that. Skeleton Nixon. Skeleton Nixon. Yeah, because Nixon was dead in 1994. So. Yeah, yeah, he was dead by this point, so it worked. They said on the commentary, the broccoli was originally going to be car parts. <laughs> I honestly think that would have taken it a step too far. This is the one yeah. case where I think the network note actually made it funnier. I think broccoli was actually the funnier option there. Al doesn't need to be the Iron Giant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Broccoli's really good for you, but at the time I didn't really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, hey, there's crazy Uncle Jonathan again. He'd always perform his magic acts for us. Uh, there's the money. Uh, there's the money. Uh, what? <laughs> Yeah. Man, that scarred me for three weeks, but it was so worth it. <laughs> oh my God. I got so scared at the part where he was like, then he'd send the other kids out of the room and then not scared of the tiger, but I was scared it was going to go in a much worse direction. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> they could have. They could have. Thankfully, no, it was just a scary tiger and I couldn't sleep yeah. for three weeks. <laughs> like, oh no, my film's burning up. No. <laughs> yeah, the, the film burns up and then you have the cringiest stretch of the episode where everyone's actually starts listening to each other oh, and getting along and and everyone's hearts just grew three sizes that day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who cares? It's really fucking cringy. Everyone's dicks grew three sizes that day. Although we do get a brief bit from the guy boarded up in the wall. Played yes. by Eddie Deason, yeah. Eddie Deason, yeah, Mandark himself. Uh, <laughs> such a terrifying premise for a side character that there's just <laughs> a guy boarded up in the wall at all times through all this. And every so often you just hear him, you know, and you just hear him talk with Eddie Deason's voice. It's <laughs> And he's like, I'm celebrating Hanukkah. Then he's like, Police Navidad. <laughs> 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 oh, we, we get to see Cousin Corky kiss a hamster. That's nice. Bestiality. <laughs> Very family friendly. That that was wholesome. I thought that was kind of cute. That's someone's yeah. fetish, all right. Um, <laughs> we didn't really get to talk about Harvey that much in this episode. He's a good boy. No, he, he's not really in it, he, except for that bit at the very, very end. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I thought that was adorable, how she's just all, I've decided to declare today hamster day. Then he just gives yeah. her a valentine. I thought that was adorable. Harvey <laughs> is a very good boy. I do really love the episode that was supposed to be the pilot, where it's out encouraging Harvey the Wonder Hamster to just do his stunt. It's a very wholesome episode. Honestly, save for the emo Phillips bit in the Hooded Avenger backstory, that was probably my least favorite episode just because the... Really? I mean, it's kind of... I mean, it's wholesome, but I guess it's just kind of so predictable even for this show that eh, yeah. I guess it just didn't really work for me. Yeah, uh, still, it's, it's, it's Alan Harvey. How could you hate that? That's true. The premise of Harvey the Wonder Hamster, it was based on a bit he used to do on Al TV and, of course, led to the song Harvey the Wonder Hamster on Al Palooza where Harvey was just a hamster and uh but he'd do a lot of you know he, he was the idea was he was a professional stunt hamster so Al would just torture him obviously they'd replace him with a fake hamster but you know <laughs> he'd get in the hamster wheel and Al would just crank it at a high speed like run Harvey run go go faster I, know, no. I remember that from your video on, I think it was Sabrina Sabrina yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned that yeah that's from the Weird Al show but that show got cancelled so he's gonna turn into one of the Jungle Cruise tour guides <laughs> yeah. yeah and which by the way 
that's fucking imitatable behavior. A kid could kill his pet <laughs> hamster doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they got so much past the radar with Harvey. Like, he literally gets shot out of a cannon into, like, one of the walls or whatever. Yeah. He survives, of course. But On Al TV, like, after Al would sing the song, he'd just eat Harvey or he'd just yeah. toss a fake hamster off the wall. Toss him out the window or something. Weird Al show. This is the fucking hamster abuse show. <laughs> There's not a lot of Harvey these days. I think the way they got away with it on the Weird Al show is they actually didn't always say this, but a couple of times they said, like, remember, Harvey's a professionally trained stunt hamster. So if there's any hamsters out there watching, don't try this at home. (laughs) So maybe that would encourage kids like, okay, only if my hamster's professionally trained. (laughs) Right, right. Weird Al Yankovic presents How to Torture Your Hamster for Being a Domestic Terrorist. (laughs) The other thing about Harvey the network didn't get the joke at all. They were like, well, can't Harvey like sing or tap dance or talk or something? Shouldn't he have some personality? And they they kept having to explain, no, he's a hamster. (laughs) That's the joke. He's a good hamster though. God. (laughs) They just, they just wanted him to basically explain the show. They might've well just had him just sit in front of the camera all day and be like, Hey kids, today we're making a show. This is a spreadsheet. This is what the kids like. (laughs) Laugh. (laughs) And then for some reason, the final perfect iteration of the mood pie is just the mood pie wrapped in foil for some reason. That was nasty. That confused me. Yeah. I was like, I think they had some other idea planned, but they couldn't get it to work in time or something. And they were going overtime. So it's like, fuck it. Just wrap it in foil. Whatever. (laughs) Listen, I'm not saying I would try it, but I am curious to know what that mood pie probably tastes like. I feel like the mood pie at that point was actually extremely charred and terrible looking, but they covered it in foil. Just be like, nope, it's perfect now. Don't worry. It's everything's fine. I'm assuming it tasted like raw sewage. (laughs) The premise, obviously, it's like it's a cross between moon pie and mood rings. It's like, yeah, like how mood rings would supposedly show what kind of mood you were in based on the color changing. It's like the mood pie changes based on the mood of the party. It's a clever idea, but the execution is just so lame. Yeah. And the worse people's vibes are, the more rotten the thing gets. So I guess the idea is that the pristine quality version of it is you haven't even unwrapped it yet. So I don't know. Yeah. They could have easily (laughs) just done a bit where it's just a regular pie. They they just keep like a a stationary pie prop that just changes color due to like special effects or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) They could have, but that would have been too smart. Yeah. Just (laughs) pour jello on a horse like they did in the wizard of Oz. So then at the very end in the cold tag, We get the cameo from Dick Clark himself. Yeah. (laughs) Who, of course, was an executive producer of this show. And this actually is one of my favorite conceits of the episode, because, of course, Dick Clark is celebrating New Year's Eve. He's counting down to the new year. What else? You know, as he himself (laughs) says. Uh, For those who don't know, this was, of course, back when he was still alive and hosting ABC's New Year's Eve every year, which, by the way, at the previous uh, ABC Rockin' New Year's Eve for the switch between 1996 and 97, Al was one of the performers. Wow. Oh, my God. I, I didn't know that. that. Al performed Amish Paradise and Gump at uh, at Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve the previous year. Nice. <laughs> 
and of course, it, you know, the show's almost over, so they can't afford to wait for the new year, so it's just a countdown to the closing credits, which which I love. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that so much that I've basically said that every single New Year's the past couple of years. I've yeah. been like, happy closing, <laughs> closing credits! <laughs> <laughs> and they almost remember the words to Auld Lang Syne. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite New Year's quote joke is the one from Family Guy where Chris just screams, some animals give me boners. <laughs> Three, two, one. Some animals give me boners. <laughs> I'm gonna yell that this new year. I'm just gonna say it. This should have been the series finale. Yes. I believe it was the last episode they filmed. And it has the last production code. The production code on it is like. 3613 or something so it was the last of those or at least it was the last one written or something but um although uh, maybe the last one filmed was al's gets robbed the the last episode after this because basically they had to clear the whole set in order to do that oh yeah (laughs) so they might have saved that one for last but now that we've gotten through the entire episode i gotta tell you guys this is gonna blow your minds about a deleted scene that they weren't even able to film for this episode. They had written it for this episode. They weren't able to do it for reasons we'll get into. But it was basically the same premise as the Flintstones bit, but with Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. At one point, Al was going to say, why does everyone have the holiday blues? Maybe if there's something I can entertain them with. I know, my Star Wars footage. <laughs> Al tells his party guests, Hey, did I ever tell you guys that I was originally supposed to be in Star Wars? It's true. (laughs) George Lucas and I go way back. He he cast me as Luke Skywalker's annoying little brother, Ernie. (laughs) But for whatever reason, all my scenes got cut, you know, and, and then they would play a bunch of clips of Al getting green screened into scenes from Star Wars, obviously playing off the special editions that had just come out that year. You know, stuff like, but I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> just the annoying little brother Ernie Skywalker just just mocking Luke at every turn. I love it. Ernie Skywalker. Luke Skywalker's crazy brother. <laughs> the reason they couldn't do it was so stupid. So they got permission from George Lucas. They got permission from Sir Alec Guinness, who was still alive at the time. Oh my God. For some reason, Mark Hamill turned them down. What? No. (laughs) Like I said, this was the year the special editions came out. And apparently it was just a really weird time in Mark Hamill's life when he was starting to get really tired of Star Wars and tired of being the Star Wars guy because that was all anyone wanted to talk about with him, especially that year. He basically became Luke in The Last Jedi for a hot second. (laughs) So to anyone saying that Ryan Johnson was off the mark, fuck you. That was actually Mark Hamill at one point. Oh my God. I am learning so much tonight. Just bitter and burnt out on the whole thing. I feel like today Al could easily just like edit himself over a bunch of footage of Star Wars. So it'd be yeah. like, but yeah, back then they probably would have been like, okay, we want to get an exact animation. <laughs> well, not animation. Ironically, ironically, Stan Freeberg, who, as we mentioned, was J.B. Toppersmith and Papa Bully in this show, 
was actually almost in Star Wars. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Stan Freeberg was almost the voice of C-3PO. This just keeps getting better and better. This is all true. George Lucas at first wasn't sure whether or not he wanted to use Anthony Daniels voice. Obviously, Anthony Daniels played C-3PO physically, but after they were done filming, George Lucas had a meeting with Stan Freeberg in a vocal booth one day to basically audition him to be the James Earl Jones to Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, R.I.P. David Prowse. So Stan tried out a couple of different voices, ultimately settled on one George liked. They re-recorded some of the dialogue there in the vocal booth. George seemed to be pretty happy with it. Literally as Stan's leaving, he just kind of casually turns to George and says, you know, there's really nothing wrong with the voice you've got. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, it's your movie, your decision. I'm on board if you want me. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Yeah. And George says, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> and... Stan Freeberg later describes it as the biggest me and my big mouth moment of his life. It's like, <laughs> Aww. Aww. He almost was C-3PO, man. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. By the way, while we're telling kind of stories about related to the Weird Al show, I have to go into this dream I had once about a lost episode. Yes. Yes. Tell oh us about God. your dream. dream. Tell, oh, us. Here we go. Tell us about the dream. Yes. You have the floor. Aw, oh, thanks. One day after I had a marathon of Weird Al show episodes, I had a dream where there was a lost episode where randomly <laughs> on the DVD, they were like, okay, you're going to see this episode. We were never allowed to air. We were never allowed to show this because this was way too far, even for our show. And they were like the CBS executives. We had it all filmed. The CBS executives basically shut it down. And they were like, no. No. <laughs> so then, then it opens with the Billy West narration and he's all, today's lesson, don't make a sandwich! <laughs> <laughs> don't make a sandwich. <laughs> Just not even don't make a rancid sandwich. Don't make a sandwich. <laughs> don't make a sandwich. <laughs> so... So then it cuts to Al looking around his place because he found this really cool sandwich recipe, but he's not sure if he has all the ingredients. So he's like, I want to make this sandwich. It's going to be the best sandwich ever. And then Harvey's just like, um, you know what? And Hooded Avenger shows up and he's like, um, I don't know if you want to make this sandwich, Al. If you found it randomly in a dumpster, that means there's going to be bad news. And he's like, shut up. And then Hooded Avenger just starts crying and runs off. <laughs> I think, hey, 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 I think Randy has some words about your anti-dumpster propaganda there. But by, by the way, how, how are you doing in that dumpster, Randy? Um, I'm dying of hypothermia and I got good, shot good. in the leg. Good. Otherwise, good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you guys doing on that jacket? We're good. Here you go. You can have mine. Uh, I, I just ordered something on Amazon Prime. It should be here by Friday. Yeah, I'm, I'm tracking it. Uh, it'll be there in six weeks. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I guess if I die of hypothermia like tomorrow, I mean, you know, I could yeah. probably. You can have all my clothes. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, but but I still did get shot. I I still did get shot in the leg. Um, I need immediate medical attention. Uh, you guys. <laughs> I, can you guys call 911 for me? Randy, I don't see what the problem is. The, the garbage should be keeping you warm. <laughs> the, the hospitals are crowded. I'm sorry. They're they're all filled to the brim. <laughs> oh, God damn it. 
Should have thought of that before getting shot. I'm sorry. You know, I don't know what's going on. Well, you guys at least got any, like, gauze or something? Here you go. You can use this old napkin. Oh, <laughs> uh, awesome. This totally won't have bacteria in it. Thanks. I have a rabid weasel, too, that you can take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole box of them, I think. A whole box. Uh, <laughs> these weasels look pretty starving and crazy. No, we're all out of those, too. <laughs> anyway, Kitty, Kitty, go on with your uh, go on with your dream. So then Al finally makes the sandwich after like a channel hopping section. And then he's like, okay, Harvey, ready for the ultimate sandwich. And then he takes a bite and then he's like, huh, a little spicy. And then suddenly a portal to hell just opens and he's like, oh no! Ah! And then Harvey's just trying to reach over and save him. But then Harvey slips and then Al just falls in. And then the whole fucking episode is just him falling through this dimension that's like the fly of despair scene with fucking Squidward. And then it's also a lot similar to like the scene in the Jurassic Park music video where like Al's falling through the dinosaur's stomach and just all this trippy ass imagery shows up and he's just screaming the whole time. And he's just like, ah, ah, ah. And then at one point, in order to get out, he has to fight Tim Curry from Legend for some reason. <laughs> what? <laughs> this fucking Tim Curry shows up and is like, and all of his fucking devil outfit. <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, this is before the quarantine rotted our brains. <laughs> <laughs> we were always like this. Remember, guys, don't make a sandwich. Don't, don't make, make a sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, speaking as someone who worked at a sandwich shop for a while in their life, uh, yeah, don't make a sandwich. No, trust no. me. <laughs> Just say no, kids. <laughs> and speaking of no, it's time for our rating. All right. And so on this show, we use the rating system of keep the tapes for nostalgic purposes or burn the damn tapes. Tony, what's your answer? Oh, keep them, obviously. This is uh, oh, yeah. a compromised show, obviously, but still has so much funny stuff in it and just has that great Weird Al sense of zany, random anarchy to it. You just have to fast forward through some of the sappier parts, but otherwise, uh, great show. Thumbs up. Disney Plus, highly recommended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much me. I give it. Despite everything, I know that it was pretty much compromised, and I completely understand why Al wasn't really happy with the final results, but I still really admire it a lot. It's got just such a unique vibe, even for the 90s. It feels like it feels like there really wasn't a lot on like it at the time, and it really got to be the unique type of kids variety show and kind of introducing kids to a whole new style of humor. If it had gotten to be more within what Al wanted for it, in fact, I feel like the less the executives messed with it, the more likely it would have done way better. It could have gotten Absolutely. at least another season. Like, man, it really deserved better, honestly. And yeah, I'm glad that Al kind of gets to not have executives breathing down his neck now and he gets to do more of what he wants and so maybe someday with every single thing on earth getting rebooted i really hope they at least take a look at this and maybe absolutely well if al doesn't have quite the energy he used to have for it that's totally understandable but at least in some form maybe animated i mean alice said in interviews like you know, I've, I've done all this stuff in my career. I've done a movie and a TV series, and now I'd like to do a successful movie and a successful TV series. That'd be nice. 
I mean, he kind of had Milo Murphy's Law for a while. <laughs> yeah, but that ultimately yeah. didn't get a third season. And uh, I, I mean, I love it, obviously, but it's it kind of ended up being a Phineas and Ferb also ran. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I mean, the writing's pretty much on the wall at this point that it's not going to get a third season. And I really, yeah. I'm coming to terms with it. I really am. Yeah, it, it, it had a good run. It had a really good run. And and of course, Al was um, was the band leader on uh, the last season of Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. Uh, which was nice. But yeah, like I said, that ended up being the last season of that. So maybe Al's just cursed. I don't know. You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always happens to the nicest people. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So as for me, I'm going to have to say not only keep the tapes... But go back in time to 1997 or 1996, whenever this was in production. Tell CBS to get the sticks out of their asses and let Al do his thing. Yes. Maybe then this show would get a second season. Yeah. Yeah. On a side note, I was amazed that Les Moonves or whoever the fuck wasn't in charge while this show was airing. Because that seems like the kinds of decisions he'd be ramming down Al's throat about. Like, that guy is a fucking dick and a half. Yeah. And he's even worse to women, but you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. By the way, I remember a couple years ago, I think it was last year or something, there was a rumor going around that Peyton Reed, based off the Ant-Man movies, was now attached to direct the MCU version of the Fantastic Four. Wow. And a lot of people weren't happy about that because, you know, people thought, you know, oh, Ant-Man's not that great, you know, Fantastic Four deserves better than Peyton Reed. I remember reading through them, and this one guy said, Peyton Reed should only direct CBS sitcoms. And I responded to that with a link to an episode of the Weird Al show saying, he did, and it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's like, oh my god. (laughs) And plus, based on how great Down With Love is, he would be perfect at nailing that 50s aesthetic. Oh, Down With Love. Yeah, yeah. if you have any doubts about Peyton Reed's ability to do Fantastic Four after Ant-Man, watch Down With Love. He does... He deserves to be able to make another 60s retro throwback thing. That movie is amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Down with Love, the movie that asks the bold cinematic question, remember when romantic comedies didn't suck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. I think they kind of tried to do something similar with that, with that one movie that came out last year. I think it was the one that starred Rebel Wilson. Oh, the um, the one with the Lindsay Ellis gif in it, the fucking. Yeah. The uh, fucking... Isn't it romantic? Isn't it romantic? Isn't it romantic? Yeah, yeah that's the one. <laughs> that, that's the only reason I know it is because at one point there's a shot of that Lindsay Ellis gif of her getting hit with the hot dogs from all of that. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently Lindsay Ellis did not sign off on that. So she was, she was was not happy about it, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Randy, what about you? Definitely keep the tape. Also go back in time. Tell Al, wait a few years, pitch it to adult swim. Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I could see maybe Cartoon Network kind of having it when they were having like regular shows. So who knows? Yeah. Adult Swim did have Pee Wee's Playhouse for a brief period in time. So right, right. Oh, yeah. 
Imagine a Weird Al show allowed to go as far as the Eric Andre show. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, my God. That would be the best. I'm amazed Al's never been a guest on the Eric Andre show. He it's- did a cameo in an episode just this season. Oh, yeah. This oh, was yeah. recent. Yeah. It, it was a blink and you'll miss it cameo, but but yeah, he was on the show very briefly. Yeah, where he was behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah he was behind the curtain going, my work here is done. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani tests positive for a slew of obscure vet disease unrelated to oh. <laughs> I don't know why that's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> bat disease. You guys all have been doing this as a video call and I just now noticed. <laughs> hey, no worries, man. I forget sometimes too, so. I could have been watching your beautiful faces this whole time. Aww. Aww. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? Tyler, your face is beautiful, too. Thanks, guys. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're included in beautiful faces. My girlfriend thinks my face is beautiful, too, so that helps. I had no idea. I had no fucking idea this was a video call. I feel (laughs) stupid. We've been recording for for over two and a half hours now. Yeah, we have. Shit. (laughs) Two hours and 38 minutes, to be exact. Damn. We got a lot to say about Al, dudes. (laughs) Oh, man. The fans are going to love this one. Should we wrap it up? (laughs) Yeah. Probably. So do you guys have anything you want to plug? You can check out my stuff. I've got a podcast called Escape from Vault Disney, which all three of these fine people have been on. Uh, we have. Both together and separately. I'm a fine people. Yes, you can find that all the usual places, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, also on pipedreampodcast.com. Escape from Vault Disney is a podcast where me and a rotating series of guests review movies, TV shows, and short films available on the Disney Plus streaming service chosen completely at random. And we determine whether each title is a Disney Plus or a Disney Minus. Like I said, all three of these fine people have been on the show, uh, both separately and together. And I try to drop new episodes every Wednesday. Sometimes episodes are a little late, but I always try to drop one episode per week. So you can check that out. You can also check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tony Goldmark, where I've got all three seasons of Some Jerk with a Camera and various other videos about movies and theme parks and all that good stuff. Huzzah. (laughs) And you can follow me at Twitter uh, at Tony Goldmark. No, no, don't go on Twitter. Twitter is garbage. (laughs) Follow me and no one else. (laughs) But if you do want to suffer through the garbage and also follow a not as good Twitter account as my lovely boyfriend, you can follow me over on Mission Breakout on Twitter with a zero because the usernames continue to be stolen from me. And then you can also find me a, a walking pun on Instagram. And then, like Tony said, select episodes of Escape from Vault Disney. And then you can also find me in your local dumpster because Randy got her revenge on me. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Also, I'm in there, too, because why not? Yay! (laughs) Fuck it, I'm going to turn on my video. Why not? (laughs) Huzzah! Hey! (laughs) Aww. Well, you can find me, Randy, on Cosmic Rewind, but instead of an E, there is a three because Twitter username algorithm shit. 
You can also find me at No Context Harley Quinn and No Context TGIF. I've probably said this for three episodes now that I promise I'll update them. I swear to God, I will. <laughs> uh, you can also find my corpse in a uh, Chicago dumpster. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the coat got here. Uh, I, I don't think it got here in time. You guys might want your refund. But uh, oh, if you find my it. corpse in a Chicago dumpster, please return it to Rhode Island. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Fucking Amazon, I tell you. Don't no let my girlfriend Aww. die. I mean, don't let Randy <laughs> die. <laughs> 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 All right, you can find me at TylerFG on Twitter, TylerFG96 on Instagram, and you can also follow us on Twitter at channel underscore KRT on Twitter, channel KRT podcast on Instagram, all one word. And we have a Discord server now, so you can hit us up on our Twitter or our Facebook page for the link, and we'll happily give it to you. And since it's the holiday season, we are feeling very generous, so you're not only going to get two episodes you're gonna get an extra one this season yes (laughs) it'll be our obligatory holiday lineup (laughs) because we love you guys so why not show the appreciation by leaving us a review on apple podcasts or just subscribing spreading the word and just showing the love however you can and and if you want to, just feel free to spam the reviews by just saying, don't make a sandwich. Or <laughs> <laughs> or spam, ew, it's a dead bird. 